0: Absolutely. Thanks, Mario. Uh, like Mario said, it is hashtag scam lab. Uh, if you haven't tweeted it, definitely go out and tweet it. Um, I think right now it's got what over a little over a hundred thousand views, uh, just in the last about 90 minutes. So about a thousand views, a views a minute here on Twitter. And you know, we've, we've launched it everywhere else. Uh, you know, YouTube, telegram, you can, you can find us everywhere. So, um, let's get some more people here. I see Heather is back. Welcome Heather. Hey, thanks, guys. Awesome. Uh, RC, let's get uh, RC a speaker spot. And there's Brendan Leslie. Brendan Leslie, welcome to uh, the Project Veritas Twitter space.
1: My favorite
0: people. <laughs> it's good to have you. Good to have you, man. I see uh, Ian Appreciate Miles Chong is back. All right. All right. So, yeah. So, Mario, if you want to um, kind of take us through, um, you know, I, I think for the for the listeners, we want to go back to yesterday just briefly. Um, for those who are joining in for the first time, let's just kind of go over, uh, you know, the part one release, uh, you know, Quentin Bostic, the, the, quote, evil salesman, how he characterizes himself. And uh, I'll let you take it away there.
2: Thanks, Eric. Yeah. So uh, today is the second release, right? So yesterday we released a story on this teaching lab content manager. His name is Dr. Quinton Bosick. He has a PhD uh, in education. And he, in this first video, speaks about how he sneaks in CRT, which is critical race theory, into the school curriculum that he sells to different districts. He mentions specifically Cobb County and Fulton County in Georgia, where the curriculum is being sold. And he hides it as DEI, which is known as diversity, equity, inclusion. Because in Georgia and other states, CRT is actually banned in, educa- in the education system. So that's how he avoids being caught. So that was the gist of that story. Tonight, we have, um, Quentin Bostig again, but this time he's speaking specifically about his employer teaching lab and he, ref- he himself refers it to uh, teaching lab as a scam lab. Um, he, you know, I'll read a few quotes from the story tonight. Dr. Bosick says, my boss, speaking about Sarah Johnson, the CEO of Teaching Lab, is a freaking psychopath. She's running a nonprofit, but it's for profit. And then Dr. Bosick talks about a specific conversation he had with Sarah. He says, quote, I said, so hypothetically, these people, such as the Gates Foundation, are funding you to build a program. Once the grant is over, you take the program, you sell it to people for money. I was like, is that legal? She, Sarah Johnson, was like, it has nothing to do with me. She said, the grant ended. We fulfilled the grant. And I'm like, but we're selling a product of the grant. She's like, it's not my problem. And I'm like, wow. She's like, it's not nonprofit work. People do it all the time. I'm like, Sarah, is that legal? And uh, to conclude here also another quote, Bosick says that his colleagues, I quote, I have people on my team who have never taught before, but no sales. Literally, they say, I like, I hate kids. I'm like, don't say that in front of a partner. Just keep it to yourself. So just here, you know, to summarize these quotes, you have Dr. Bosick speaking about how Teaching Lab is a nonprofit, by the way, funded by Mackenzie Scott. Very big money uh, is going to Teaching Lab, and they operate in over 20 states in the country. Uh, speaking about how they, um, in, uh, you know, act as they're a nonprofit organization. But in fact, they're using these nonprofit funds and then Transforming it into a way where they can sell it uh, for a profit. So that's according to him. And then also you you have here Dr. Bostic speaking about how they actually don't really care about kids; they just want to make uh, money off of them.
3: Yes. Yeah, so we we are here in Atlanta with Education Veritas, and with we we've dealt with this with the private school sector, and it is um, an enormous effort being pushed by the NAIS. And all of the related organizations, as well as the hiring firms, Carney Sando, that are pumping these individuals into these schools. So we have private schools where you would think we have the best, you know, the best uh, folks coming in to teach these kids. And really, it's we have the best activist and progressive pushers of an agenda to come into the art classroom and math and science. And that's what they're coming in and doing so there's now no there, there's not even a a worry of oh are they going to you know teach these kids the best math or no it's will they push this agenda and how many ways and angles can we get it pumped in whether it's a video in spanish or it's a, a comment a teacher makes i mean we were we we are dealing with westminster in atlanta which is a 240 million dollar endowed private school that cannot pump enough of this out so it is, you know, for sure, it, it is, it's a cartel that is pumping all of this through the private school. And then you have those that aren't, you know, seeing it as much and aware of what's going on in the in the public schools where it's like, oh, it's this flower language, DEI. This is about being nice. It's about being Christian. It's about being, you know, good to each other. No, that, this is not what it's about. You know, it, this is an agenda, a political agenda that's destroying education and society in itself.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting to note, I know Mario uh, pointed out about the the funding from McKinsey Scott, for those of you who, who don't know who that is, that's actually Jeff Bezos, ex wife. And yes, part of these, um, you know, these funds, you know, she's actually come out and publicly said, I believe it's $3.8 billion, um, you know, worth of, uh, worth of her money is going to be pumped into these projects that she supports, and Teaching Lab is is very publicly listed as as one of those. So, uh, for those of you that didn't know that, that's that's who Mackenzie Scott is.
2: And I want to also just establish really quickly uh, for the speakers that are on, uh, feel free to chime in throughout the conversation as you see fit. Don't wait; you don't have to wait on Eric or I to call on you. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts on this story. And to feel free to keep the conversation going at any time. So whoever is up next and has some thoughts, please, please come on. Absolutely. Yeah. You
1: guys did a great job in really showing uh, Like, I, – I, I'm sorry I didn't catch the last speaker's name, the lady that was speaking. It's, it's. They really put on this fake facade. I'm seeing it all the time in my reports here in Florida is that these people are coming in. It's like, oh, it's this pretty picture of inclusiveness. Well, no, it's actually right. trying to make everyone, a certain class, feel oppressed and feel like the other class is oppressing them. Um, and it's just it's disgusting. And you, uh, you spoke perfectly. I'm sorry. What was your name again? You, it... So
3: it's Kate Hudson with Education Veritas in Atlanta. Ah,
1: perfect. And yeah, it was. Yes. It, that's what we're seeing across the board. And Project Veritas, yes. like I always brag about you guys. You guys are doing a great job in making sure that getting these people undercover. It's just it's 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 really unprecedented work. Great job, guys. Hey, thank you.
4: Brenna. It's not just about. Uh... Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, it's not just about, you know, making. Dividing people into classes—it's about dividing society. It's about tearing down Western civilization. Let's let's be let's be frank yeah, exactly. here. That's what their goal is, right? It's to append uh, the uh, existing order and and build something else. And uh, we don't know what that something else looks like, but it's not good.
5: Yeah, no. yeah, I would have to agree. I think that from a national security standpoint, people need to really think like, what is education truly intended for? And that's to drive our country forward on a national global level right when you have countries like China their schools are teaching advanced levels of math and science and and trying to be the front runner in every single industry and then here in America we have these globalists You know, that are tied to whether it's Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos' ex wife, whatever, that are really funding these programs that are actually like uh, lowering our standards. They're actually making us dumber, if you will. It's not even just about dividing people. Even some of the math core curriculums that they're pushing is actually designed to make America lower on the overall like national standing, right? Because we're leading, we have been leading the way. On a global scale, in terms of our education systems. And this is truly, in my opinion, a war on our country. It's a war, and they're going after our young kids and not even just in schools. But when you look at, um, I think it was Trump had brought up that TikTok, right? The algorithms, if you're watching TikTok in China, you're actually going to have more educational content shown to you versus if you're watching it in America, it's going to be this mind numbingly dumb stuff that, you know, triggers dopamine in the brain and it's essentially right. essentially young kids addicted. So a lot of this stuff they're pushing through these, these labs, these scam labs are designed to make us dumber as a country.
6: Well, and they're hijacking our education system. I mean, the whole purpose uh, here is to hijack our culture and our education system to make it go in a direction that, that frankly, uh, takes us lower. I mean, it's really just low, lowest common denominator and actually not even that good. I mean, it's much lower right. than that, inane stuff. And they've been doing this in our education system for a long time because it's, it's ultimately a way for political to control. When, when young children don't grow up and they're not able to do critical thinking, to, to master critical thinking skills and many of the basic skills that they need, to be successful in life, then they're politically vulnerable and 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 moldable right. into a certain shape, and that's really the ultimate goal here. I I,
3: that's right. And and within these the private schools, and, and especially in Atlanta, we have dealt with this with so many that have so much impact, and they have fueled uh, the entire agenda with high high powered folks, and they've connected with Rockefeller Foundation and. Johns Hopkins and have been at the forefront of the data mining and you have, you know, a school that is, you know, has been a top elite, quote, private Christian day school. And now it's everybody gets accommodations. Everybody can take the SAT. Everybody can, every, I mean, the APs. Everybody can, you know, they, they dump and water all of the curriculum down and there is no critical thinking. It's here's the here's the Democrat platform. This is what we're going to feed you. And you either like it or there'll be consequences. You'll get an F. You'll get pushback from the teacher. There's, there's bullying involved. And so these kids are having to either align their thinking and their essays and their work with what the teacher thinks, because that's now made, you know, very well known, or else you're out. Everyone knows you're the conservative or your thinking isn't in line with ours. And it's, it's just a bullying situation to, Get these kids to be little activists, fist pumpers, and roll along with the program. So I have I- a
1: question: Is there any is there any funding for this uh, this 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 scam that's coming from taxpayer dollars at all? Because I see that a lot too. Is that these these groups that put on this fake facade are getting pu- public tax dollars in many instances? Well,
3: and we deal. I, I mean, this is something that you know Kemp has not even really been aware of, and I think all of these people that are funding this and rolling along with the agenda, they're just not aware. They just don't get how entrenched this is and what actually this looks like. It's like, oh, well, this is, they say it's about being kind. This, you know, prestigious institution is telling us this. And and so they're trusting what's coming out of there. And I'm sure that there, there are so many things going sideways with the, the public school system, but as well, you know, of course, the private school system groups um, because there's that leeway. They have the ability to go and, you know, pay millions to these, you know, accreditation groups and hiring firms to bring in the type of individual they want, you know, pushing, pushing the agenda for them. But I'm sure that that's, going down as far as the public sector because people just aren't aware. Well,
7: to to further answer that question, I think that's one of the key questions that need to be answered. And this is R.C. Maxwell speaking, press secretary of Project Veritas. Um, You've already heard that there is an investigation on what, underway from the Georgia state school superintendent's office um, where we will find out an answer to the question. If Georgia taxpayer dollars were used for these programs. Um, Teaching Labs has issued a statement. We'll get to the statement a little a little more in-depthly later, but one of the key ap- points of their statement is Teaching Lab does not create or sell curriculum, which is a direct contradiction from right. the statements made by their own employee, which is about them selling curriculums. Now, they may not be selling right. curriculums in the traditional sense, as, as in a school is actually adopting a curriculum. But if you go to the teaching lab, lab website, you can see priced at $960 per person, you can take a course with teaching labs right. about internalizing English and language education through K-8 models with a culturally responsive lens. Right. Um, now, it CRT doesn't take a genius right to know what that means. You're taking things, English and language arts, that should be relatively um, objective and you're making it subjective because you're saying you need to use a certain lens in order to analyze that. That is critical race theory and that is not allowed under Georgia state law, um, which, and we can specifically dissect what the law talks about, but the law is pretty clear that in no Georgia classroom can a divisive concept be advanced. A divisive concept is anything that talks about one race being superior or inferior to another. Anything about the United States being fundamentally racist. Anything about someone's race indicating that they inherently have an oppressive or racist viewpoint against other races, And that is inherently implied seemingly by these curriculums, which you can pay $960 for. Now the question is right. these school districts which Mr. Quentin Bostick on camera says that Teaching Labs is working with, these school districts, who is paying these funds? Are we to believe these teachers are paying nine hundred and sixty no. That is most likely coming out of some sort of fund, most right. likely a school credit card. But there's no need for me to hypothesize or for me to
6: prognosticate what I think. Because you'll figure it out. It'll
7: be
8: figured
9: out.
6: There are millions of dollars in this kind of curriculum. Don't underestimate. This is about uh, that. when when Georgia passed this law, it put a massive revenue stream from these left wing book publishers. Uh, it, it took a revenue stream away from them. They, they, it's a combined and, and they, they love the revenue stream because it allows them to advance their agenda, but when they lose the revenue stream, they lose both all at once. So this undermines what what, uh, James O'Keefe and his uh, undercover folks are finding out is the methodology that people in the radical Marxist left use to try to grab on to our education. We have a monopoly, a government monopoly in education right now, which also is a moral hazard for these sorts of things because there's no choice. Parents can't decide how they're going to. And I'm going to say we get rid of uh, government schools, per se, but this should be full choice. Parents should be able to decide what they do. As it is, the teachers unions control these uh, government directed educational institutions to put this crap into kids' heads because there's also a political agenda that they're pressing. They make and millions and tens and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars and they press this crap into kids, and it's horrible.
10: The media
4: promotes it, right? You have, you have, for instance, uh, the New York Times, they made this 1619 project that they won a bunch of Pulitzers for, and that is, you know, it's proven to be uh, you know, completely bunk. It's nonsense. Even uh, socialist history professors came out and said, no, this is a bunch of nonsense. It's rewriting what history actually is, and we don't support it because it's lies, but that didn't matter, right? It, it promoted an agenda, and it's this woke agenda that's being pushed through schools, through CRT and, you know, 1619 Project, The New York Times. They're center to this, right? I mean, this stuff is being taught to students from, you know, from, from, from kindergarten age up until college. I
11: think it's important, no, I so think it's important I wanna... to focus on
3: the, um, the actual yeah. curriculum because it's not – the problem is not so much the um, – it's not the – selling the, the like I said it is kind of selling the curriculum to the schools but in a way though, that's not the problem it's the type of curriculum that they that they're pushing you know because that's how that's how people get their curriculums taught in schools so they go to school boards and they get the school board to, to accept or or deny the um the curriculum that, that someone is trying to pitch
5: me. the theory is that conservatives need to start pushing their own curriculums. We need to get behind the conservative moral version of the teaching lab and make sure we as parents are not putting our responsibility of what's taught to our children on school boards or government officials. Because at the end of the day I can speak as a mom. It is my job and my job alone to parent and raise my child and to stay on top of these things. And I think that You know, for so long, parents have sort of, like, trusted in the education systems, but now that we're aware all this stuff is happening, there really is no excuse for any parent to sort of, like, not pick up their own responsibility, not admit, you know what, I didn't know this was taking place, but we need to be firm and fierce in shutting this stuff down and making our voices heard otherwise all that's going to happen right is this organization they're going to you know sever the ties but the government's going to turn around and give a contract to basically the exact same organization by a different name this was some of what he was saying in his in his in the Project Veritas video right he's saying oh we're going to push these curriculums and every year we're just going to rename it and label series 2 series 3 and charge them a new fee right there's all of this disgusting you know uh like Profitability and corruption within the education institution, but if every parent actually took their child's education, took responsibility for their child's education, I honestly think we wouldn't be in this situation. So,
12: so you have to understand, you have to understand the system that we're talking about, and I'm so happy that Project Veritas has exposed this. But what every person in this space has to understand it, it. it is in your state, it is in your school district, this is happening everywhere, and DEI is how it is recognized in the workforce, but what it is called in education, it is called social emotional learning, and social emotional learning, or SEL, has several tenets, they have the mental health counseling, which is a whole other issue I would love to expose, restorative justice practices, and culturally responsive uh, teaching which z- what this this guy is selling to the schools is culturally responsive teaching they bring in books that purposefully engage students to adopt a socio-political lens so that they are uh, brainwashed into believing this ideology CRT is the ideology SEL is the delivery system and we have to name it for what it is and this guy is a is a small part of the big system SEL has been in the education system starting in 2016. It was in over 90% of the public education system in America. And at this point it is a hundred percent. It is in private schools. It's extremely dangerous. Every single person that is in a state that actually bans CRT, your schools, including your state education department, pushing social emotional learning is violating that ban and we should have lawsuits across this country like they've never seen it's just that people don't understand the delivery system and it is social emotional learning it sounds nice they sound sa- they they use very nice language innocuous language that does not hit the radar of parents thinking it's it's bad it's brainwashing but it is and the reason it is is because they use skills that we all want our children to have, like self-awareness and responsible decision-making, but they deliver it to your children through what they call an equity lens. That's why he talks about, oh, we just sell it under equity. Well, that means they deliver it through the lens of a critical race theorist. Culturally responsive teaching was coined by Gloria Ladson Billings, and she is a self-proclaimed critical race theorist who believes that our country is systemically racist. Why are they doing this? Because they're teaching our children that they have to to believe in this ideology, and that they need to dismantle the systems. If you are someone that believes in CRT, you believe every system in America is racist and oppressive, and it needs uh, dismantled. And that is what is happening in our education system. And I'm really thankful for this being exposed. And, and,
6: and, and not- I should I should I should mention here, just for everyone listening, I've known James for some years now, and and I have to tell you, folks if Project Veritas was not doing what they were doing, we would definitely not know about this stuff or the likelihood is very, very slim. That's the amazing work that uh, Project Veritas does because they, they absolutely opened the door to show the rancid efforts of the radical left and of other organizations that are that are trying to take over this country. They're trying to influence so many things. And, and it's very important that you... you Support, follow Project Veritas. You get that opportunity right around here as you as you look up at the Project Veritas logo there that Mario's behind. You need to follow Project Veritas, and you need to make sure that you let people know that they need to support this work because it's critical. It's It's one of the few organizations that really gets that job done and makes you aware of things you need to know. So that you can stop this stuff in this track. Well, thank you, hey Jim. Yeah, thank you, thank you,
7: Jim. You said a key word there, which is aware and awareness. You know, there's been lots of policy discussions so far here in this Twitter space so far, which is great. But people really have to be aware before we can get to any sort of action. We have some people with their hands up. I want to make sure we get to everyone. Adam, go ahead.
13: Yeah. So I think this video highlights. You know, yesterday's video was very insightful, but. This one also highlights uh, a very important uh, two different pieces. and I'll start with the first one um, is the tax law that basically helps shield uh, places like the teaching lab from like transparency. Right. And this is like something we talk about a lot. It's uh, similar protections that uh, protect a place like Project Veritas are also being used to weapon be weaponized against the. Uh, everyday person through the education system. And this is one of the things that we really need to have real reforms over is like uh, public disclosure of activities by certain nonprofit organizations, particularly in the education level, particularly when they have to be doing ven- uh, deals and vending services to these uh, municipalities, right? What the teaching lab is doing is very non-transparent, uh, at, especially at the school district level. And this is one of the things that's very, very critical for people to understand. Uh, the CRT, anti-CRT laws with Georgia probably being one of the best, if not the best in the country. Um, it's still not enough when, uh, the people who would be watchdogs aren't actually able to see what those organizations, these nonprofits, these NGOs are actually doing, uh, when they're doing, conducting business in the state of Georgia, right? You look at, there's, uh, there's only so many Members of the state board of elections or education, excuse me, in this uh, in the state of Georgia, who are appointed by the governor. The governor's office is relatively small, and it's a legislative dominant state, right? So you have this like a lack of uh, government oversight on this stuff that it needs to be uh, forced to have uh, some sort of a transparency. And reporter requirements. And I'll let someone else chime in. Real
14: quick, I just wanted to say that I, for the past –
1: So I had a question for Jennifer and Heather because you guys were talking about it a lot. So, hey, by the way, RC, you're the man. We haven't gotten to meet yet. I'm Brennan Leslie from Florida's Voice. Um, you guys, you're you doing a great job. I look forward to meeting you one day. But uh, for Jennifer and Heather, okay. you guys were talking about it. Uh, my problems I have when I'm reporting about this stuff in Florida is people, I'll be like, ESG, social learning, uh, emotional learning. And they'll be like, Huh? What's that? DEI. Yeah, training what? people to become Antifa, right? I mean, yeah, uh, essentially. Yeah. But like, so my question is to to you ladies, I think you're both mothers, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, how do you, what, are, what should parents and anyone that's in here that may have a, a child in their household, what should they be looking out for? What kind of wording and terminology in these, and uh, homework and assignments and stuff should they be looking out for that's like uh, keywords for this stuff?
12: One thing they do is they send them surveys to children and and so if you have children in school you have probably seen them but they give them surveys at school as well uh and they make it sound nice that they're just teaching empathy building relationships e- managing emotions those those three phrases there are are key to what they how they try to sell this but again they they are doing it through this equity lens so when they teach children at school empathy they're teaching them to be empathetic towards all of the victims of America's systemic racism and oppression. But when it comes home and you might see a worksheet that talks about how do you practice empathy or building relationships, a lot of parents are not realizing how they're delivering it to the children that you need to be uh, uh, empathetic towards this systemic racist society that we live in. Literally, social emotional learning uh, on their the, this comes from Castle. It's called it's C A S E L, uh, the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning, and they talk about creating a new critical and they what they mean is critical pedagogy, critical race theory consciousness for the children, and they have redefined all of the words that we are used to using in a, in a genuine uh way and so that but you're looking for words that do not seem like they should be a big deal but they have redefined them and they deliver them to your children through the equity lens and that's again exactly what he talked about in the in the video he said you know we do this under equity yeah so i i'll say um i have a daughter and
5: as far as you know what we can do about this sort of stuff talk to your children, like have a conversation with your children. And, and and it's your job as a parent to ultimately teach them and equip them with the tools so that when they do go to these schools, if there is a teacher, a woke teacher trying to push this, you've already prepared them for that. And they're equipped with the knowledge to know that that's not true, or to know that they're that, that it's not right what these teachers are pushing. So it's your job to really instill the values in your children that you believe in. And so for me, my daughter will go to school and she will report back to me what her teachers are doing or saying, or or if there's something that, that, You know she knows in her heart is is unjust or not right she will come back and tell me so the best thing you guys can do is talk to your children let them know right from wrong this is our job as parents to teach our children right from wrong it's not the school's job and if you give the school the opportunity to do that they will brainwash your child and try to turn them against you So it's so important that you build actual relationships with your children. I know the world gets so busy sometimes and we're working and we're doing things. It's so important, though, to sit down with your children, spend time with them, ask them questions and and really instill
12: in them the values that you want. Because if you don't, the world will. If you want to do something about this, if you want to take action right now and you have children in the education system Get them out of the data collection, the social emotional learning surveys. Your children are being given surveys. Uh, it, they do not have to have your permission. They basically have to just let you know there might be a survey. And the surveys, are get, they use questions that seem very innocent. They use questions that talk about, we just want to check on the climate of the school. But what they're doing is they're collecting data on the children. They're using that data to drive this agenda. So they may ask your children in a survey that says, how often do you believe you belong at school and your children or that you fit in or however they want to word it and your children are answering it. But the way that they interpret the data is through the equity lens. So they interpret it as if you are, you believe in critical race theory and then they come back and say, well, we have you know certain percentage of children that feel like they they don't belong so we better bring in more dei training or more culturally responsive uh books such as what this guy is trying to sell uh get your children out of the story. if you want to do one thing you tell the school and you have the right to do it but you have to do it opt your children out of all surveys, they're collecting this data, and then they use this data against us to push this agenda. It is driving this. It's not
4: just that. I mean, they use the surveys to target specific children. They see that those children are particularly vulnerable. That's right. Yeah, right. And they use the the Gay Sexuality Alliance, sorry, the Gender Sexuality Alliance used to be called the uh, Gay Straight Alliance Clubs uh, to facilitate all of this. So, you know, you'll have teachers and you'll have what are essentially snitches at right? other students who will try to befriend these uh, uh, kids who are, you know, a little bit ostracized, a little bit out of sorts, you know, like uh, kids of autism, mild autism, you know, the kids that just don't fit in. They're the ones who are particularly vulnerable to becoming uh, evangelized with this stuff or indoctrinated, if you will, into becoming evangelists themselves.
15: Oh, I just wanted to jump in if if I could. Um I'm a teacher who left my school, a very woke school, um in a public way and I this is somebody who's seen his colleagues uh do exactly what I what Jennifer was talking about and and Heather as well. Um it's it's essentially a kind of moral intimidation that they're they're using on children. They use it on adults. So if adults have trouble standing up to it in their workplace, um you know how how is a child supposed to stand up against it And it? It's essentially like a three-step process in kindergarten. Um, They start by celebrating the importance of skin color as a mark of identity and gender. And then they explain gradually that these identity markers socially define you as privileged or not. And that society is set up in a hierarchical way. And then what they do is that creates the sense of injustice that all children have, the sense of justice and fairness. And so they ride that platform. To set them up to be activists, and so um, there are in the private school that I was teaching at, these national, the National Association of Independent School Schools, schools um, they they use um, several of these consultants that push this from the earliest years, even junior uh, junior kindergarten. And so, if you look up the Pollyanna um, is an organization that has a, a, a racial literacy curriculum starting in kindergarten. Um, I urge you to look that up. It's all available for free so you can see how they do it, but it's really, it's all around weaponizing, um, the empathy of children
5: and creating a, like a victim class, right? Like a victim mindset. It's, it's like the opposite of empowering. It's creating us the next generation of leaders are going to have this victim mentality, essentially.
12: Social emotional learning is, is in their documentation, is meant to influence your children to be the social agents of change for a new consciousness for a new social order it's literally in their documentation from castle and again this is in all 50 states if your children are in public schools we're talking to you this exposure is so important because not because specifically because of this person or the the map that shows all of the states that might be using the, uh, the teaching lab. It doesn't matter if they're using teaching lab. They're using something like it. It is about culturally responsive teaching. It is about social emotional learning. And I know a lot of times it's hard for people to grasp because nobody wants to go up against something that claims to be helping the mental health of children, but they're really driving the, the, the deterioration of the mental health of children because they are constantly pushing this idea that we live in a systemically racist and oppressive society and you have to do something about it. That's why they call them the new the agents of social change.
7: I think you made a good point when you mentioned it's very difficult to create any sort of consensus against these methods of teaching when they do sound so universal. And I think we can look to the statement from Teaching Lab themselves as kind of a good case study and to the mindset of how these people operate, and kind of also the vacuous nature in which they can kind of make claims and operate in a world of immaterial reality. So, if you look at the statement that Teaching, Stab, Teaching Lab, excuse me, issued after Project Veritas's investigation into their practices, they said Teaching Labs is a nonpartisan nonprofit organization that supports teachers with research-backed professional learning. What does that mean? Research backed professional learning that helps. It means them... they
12: surveyed themselves and they agreed with yeah. it.
7: That's what it that means. helps. It, them... There's nothing backing that helps it. them improve outcomes for students. I mean, d- learning in an, in, it automatically helps outcomes for students. The, the, state, the first sentence in and of itself reads very much as someone trying to justify their existence and, and someone trying to to use a lot of words to say nothing. Um, they say that their goal uh, is to partner with teachers and students in the shared pursuit of educational equity, there's that key word, equity, so they can thrive together in communities that enable students to be lifelong learners and lead meaningful lives.
12: I, I'd like to, if I could just very quickly challenge everyone to look into these statistics. Castle, which this is where it's coming from, this is exactly what they follow, um, this the, with the social emotional learning, they claim that social emotional learning was going to increase academic achievement and the mental health of the children. And if you go back, go back to like, I don't know, 2013, 2014, and see what your academic proficiency levels were, uh, including the mental health, um, statistics, whatever you can find. And then, pull it from 2019 if you do it from today they'll just blame it on covid of course so just go up to 2019 and i can tell you that the that it has declined in between those years and that is when social emotional learning came into the school what they claim is a lie it, it's not true and they just keep running circles around people and we have to call it what it is and it is social emotional learning has to get out of the schools it's undermining parents and it is hurting our children significantly
6: well, and let's let's just be honest here. Social emotional approaches to learning. I mean, you know, obviously kids need to develop and 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 learn how to navigate life. But let's just let's just be honest here. Kids need to know reading, writing, and arithmetic, and then they need to know how to apply that in practical ways. We have reduced the opportunities for children for some years now to be able to get those practical skills because. We're throwing them off into areas of education that is not helping them at all and is, is obviously doing, a uh, you know, promoting a political agenda. But we also it a job saw, parents, you know, right, to do the social
4: yeah. emotional learning. It should not be the job of teachers to do social emotional learning. You know, if I go to gym class, the last thing yeah. I want is a, is a lesson on CRT. If I go to math class, I want to learn my arithmetic, you know, my, my division tables, stuff like that. I don't want a teacher telling me about, you know, anything that's nothing to do with the lesson that I'm there for. I mean, if I go to college and I learn, I don't know, say, engineering, I don't want to learn about gender. I take a gender studies class, and that's why they exist. I mean, that's an option for students in college, but... Why is this stuff in, uh, and, and that's a completely different, you know, it's not a completely different topic, but, you know, I would argue that they shouldn't even be in colleges, but this is, this is grade school that they're teaching this stuff too. And, and what is the purpose of this
6: besides to uh, indoctrinate kids?
4: Your exactly. are yeah, And, even all
16: the and, and it's, for it's more
6: than a decade, degree. we've seen, yeah. And, and for more than a decade, we've been seeing SAT scores and ACT scores go down. We've seen adjustments to those tests to try to make up, for the shortfall it's obvious that what they're doing isn't working and they have in recent years been doubling down on this crt crap it's not helping kids at all it's not it's not and it's harming what parents are trying to do in their homes responsible parents and it just makes everything work yeah,
5: yeah and i'll I'll say that you know with project veritas keep keeps putting this information out there The big question is, what are we going to do with it, right? Because if the left or these woke groups are so organized that they're able to pull this off, this is where we need to step up and stop being on defense all the time, defending ourselves against CRT and all this other stuff. We need to go on the offense. We need to create our own curriculums, our own groups. We need to push them in the schools. You know, one of the things that I point out is a lot of these public schools, they have these after-school programs for LGBTQ students, right? Well, there's no reason that any uh, every local church can't do an after-school Bible study because uh, it's the same concept, right? So the petition and exercise your rights if they're allowed to do an lgbtq after school course then we should use this as a chance to minister to kids too. bring god back into schools because that lgbtq crap is a lifestyle choice just like my religion is so if they're allowed to teach it to these kids at public schools we should be allowed to teach bible study too right so we need to go on the offense and we need to beat them at their own game but right now it's like you know we have all of these things. I would love to know if any of these speakers have any recommendations as far as like success stories. Where is there a school that has a great curriculum? How can we take that model and push it into all of these other schools and out the garbage that's infiltrating them?
12: We have to get rid of this. But and I'll stop after this. I've talk, I've talked enough. But I just want for for anybody that tries to push back on this to understand what, what they will do is say, but we have these children that have these needs. And it is so important to understand that before social, emotional learning, we already had supports for everything that most people, uh, most good people want children to have supports for in education. We had supports for children that had needed, had academic needs, emotional needs, behavioral needs. We already had all of that, but what we did not do was universally, uh, treat children on the basis of systemic racism and oppression. Thank you for letting me talk.
2: Yeah, of course. I want to get uh, Tiffany on. I know Tiffany uh, has been waiting a little bit to talk. So Tiffany, you, you have the floor.
14: Um, thanks. And what Jennifer has shared is spot on. I mean, that is what we're seeing in the schools, social emotional learning, um, the idea that every child needs to feel safe and valued in order to learn in the classroom. Um, is really difficult to fight against. There's, there's no doubt that the language and everything about it is hip. It's hypnotizing. It, it's, you know, yes, of course you want every child. I, like I challenge anyone. I sat on a school board and there was a shooting on February 14th at a school in Parkland, Florida, and 17 people died. And we had all of these consultants, like they're like parasites, they just come in and they, and they want to sell you. And so the legislature was in session and there was money being put into mental health supports. And all of these consultants and strategic plan consultants swooped in with all of this information. And these districts were just ripe with money to spend. And so you wonder why Florida is where they are right now. Um, There was so much pressure to put in, you know, supports for all of these kids. The one thing we haven't talked about is restorative justice. I, you know, I mean, there's like a million things we could talk about, but restorative justice is a practice where um, there's a lot of kumbaya, but not a lot of consequences. Um, If I broke a term really fast. Um, so these kids are in a really toxic environment in school. Um, I think what Jennifer shared was really important and, um, academic achievement as social emotional learning promised is not, um, it is not happening. Um, and all of this again, the SEL, the CRT, the DEI, it's all an excuse for educational failure. And so, you know, you'll see me fight against the unions a lot. Um, they are just awful toxic Um, they are all about supporting the system and feeding off the system and it's not about the kids and if you doubt what i'm saying go look at their agenda for all of their their summer agenda this past year Um, but you know i'm just thankful that people like you guys at project veritas and other smart people who have been really concerned about other areas of our world and our lives are taking such a passionate interest in our children and their education and we need you so badly yeah.
2: thank you tiffany for that i do actually want to bring up a topic that was discussed yesterday but i think we have more information tonight where we can bring this back for discussion there was some uh i think well, i wouldn't say disagreement but some debate last night as to whether there would be accountability for this individual Quentin Bosick. some said you know he will nothing will happen to him they'll hide him they'll Pretend he doesn't exist, but he'll get away and do things, you know, get to do the things that he wants to do eventually. Something that, you know, he might get fired. And the reason I think it's a relevant conversation tonight is given what uh, R.C. talked about in the teaching lab response, where they obviously dismiss Project Veritas and attack us, but at the same time, you can notice a little bit where they are kind of trying to distance themselves uh, from uh, and Clinton. Then tonight- and then tonight, you have... Um, The scam, the man says he calls his own employer a scam lab. So my question here is, do you think that because of, you know, the fact that they're already seeming to distance themselves from the man last night, plus calling him, calling the organization a scam lab tonight, will there be actual, uh, you know, something will happen here or not? And I'll I'll just piggyback on that. I think that's um,
0: a little bit, Mario. It, It not just has the teaching lab responded. The, I know RC mentioned a little bit, the Georgia Department of Education. Um, has responded, Uh, you know, their office said we are in communication with both the school districts explicitly mentioned to verify whether the information in the video was accurate. And we are working to ensure that these materials have not been adopted in other districts. We will direct any district using these materials to discontinue their use. So to this whole idea of, you know, accountability, which we all seek, um, Clearly, you know, the Georgia Department of Education, you know, this uh, This first video went out, you know, roughly 24 hours ago. Uh, and here we are tonight uh, with these statements in hand. So, um, you know, I, I think yeah. that and, some and, accountability and is, is going to be had.
7: And this is really communications 101. I mean, we've seen this a number of times at Project Veritas where you'll see a part one get released and you'll see the bad guy really be in a rush to cover his basis cya if you know what that means will issue a statement dismissing project veritas maybe standing by their employee in an act of unity and then project veritas releases part two and in this instance i think this was a critical error on behalf of teaching lab to make this statement i mean look we often we we talk with these schools we let them know what we're publishing we seek comment Sometimes these schools are wise enough to actually engage us. They'll give us an answer. They'll ask us questions, such as, what else do you have? Um, In this instance, that did not happen. And now you have a situation where teaching labs has already said about their employee, the views expressed by the employee are their own that the employee was recorded without their knowledge or consent. As you see, they're not making any defense on the claims made by their employee. They're not saying our employee was caught in a moment off guard where he said something that wasn't true. No, they're simply saying it was his own words. If your employee is saying that you're a scam artist, I think that might be something that you might want to respond to with a little bit more levity. So we will see if teaching labs will update their statement, um, and if they do, I think,
17: think because I was, I was one of the people yesterday who said he wouldn't face any punishment, and I think that's still mostly true. Uh, I think he has definitely burnt some bridges with his comments on teaching labs, but um, I think he he even stated in his in the original part one video that the worst he would get is sacked, and that will be the extent of the backlash that he faces. Um, I don't think he will face too much. T- criticism or heat for actually divulging how they're spreading what is basically practice in the school systems uh, I, I don't think they'll speak to that as much
3: hey eric i have a question i, think eric, I have on. a quick question do you think that um have you heard about the cdc's framework called um, it's called whole school whole community whole child
0: uh i have not i have not
3: Okay, so it's, it's basically it's a framework that was implemented. Glenn Beck did a long special on this, and it's basically um, they're talking about um, adverse childhood experiences and how they need, the, the education system took on a, a more prominent role in the lives of children and in the community when they when the CEC released this framework. And one of the main tenets of it is social and emotional climate. So it's, you may want to look into that.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something we can uh, we can take our eyes. Hey,
14: over. Eric. If you get someone that's a listener in your space, her name is Kelly, uh, Kelly Ski. She is a researcher who knows a lot about what's called WISC, the whole school, whole child, whole community model. And it's how the federal government undermines local control in the public education system. And it's uh, really, really dangerous.
0: Absolutely, Kelly. If you're, um, you know, if you're in here and listening, send send a request and we can try to get you in
5: um i'll add too as far as like this guy being held accountable i think uh if 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 he alone is not held accountable and the teaching lab is not held accountable then this is what's going to create the incentive for them to keep doing what they're doing so really the responsibility is on the parents that when people like this are outed you need to get so angry and so fierce because really what this entire story is about it is about evil people manipulating the minds of our children, the absolute most vulnerable among us. And this is sick, this is sadistic. What these people are doing is 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 not in our child's best interest, and it's it's direct it's the exact opposite. And so when this kind of stuff happens, every single parent in Georgia right now should be irate. They should be calling and demanding investigations to this and being so fierce That people are terrified to ever be outed for this kind of crap again. We need to really hold the line as parents. And this is part of the problem is we haven't held that line. And I think to RC's point, there's a lot of people that have been unaware but the more Project Veritas and, and other networks and journalists like myself keep exposing these things, it's awakening a sleeping sleeping giant. And we really need to call these people what they are. They're sadistic people that are preying on the minds of our innocent children.
7: Yeah, I, I really hate to break it to you guys. I think many of you know this, but the majority of Americans think critical race theory is simply teaching slavery which we know is a gross, mischaracteriza- gross mischaracterization of what the discipline actually is. But a majority of Americans, and this is by design, this is why this teaching lab statement I just read is gobbledygook. This is entrenched. This is part of their defense. This is how they hide. They, 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 they're based on confusion, right? So a lot of Americans think critical race theory is, teach- is simply teaching slavery. Uh, Brandon.
1: Hey, so Tiffany, Tiffany is a part of an awesome organization. She didn't get his Moms for Liberty and they really emerged in the last couple of years. And I think she's the perfect person to ask, answer this question. Tiffany, what was like, we've talked about a few times in this space tonight is that this stuff has been going on for a long time, right beneath our noses. And we just haven't realized what was the moment that kind of kickstarted and brought Moms for Liberty to the forefront and really started exposing all this stuff.
14: Uh, you know, when I ran for school board, I have four kids, and then I saw, like, the whole how the education system worked in the first wake-up call was how much power the unions had. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like, why? there No one's bargaining for the parents. The district bargains for the district. The union bargains for the union. And really, the people at the table, not the teachers in the classroom, they have no idea. And so that was, that really woke me up. But I think Moms for Liberty was really born out of when parents came out during COVID and they were so concerned about their kids. Like learning and their health and the masks and the quarantines and their mental health and school being closed, and we were called domestic terrorists. I mean, honestly, we were you know shut down, they shut down citizen input, they stopped listening to parents, I was on a board where they did it, and it just was like, oh my gosh, our, our whole system is broken because no one's listening to the parents, and they're the you know no one loves kids more than the parents they're they're concerned. And that was really it. Tina and I just looked at each other and said, we've got to do something. We've got to build an army because, you know, individually, these districts are picking off the parents one by one. They're retaliating against them. Uh, it was awful. I mean, Paul, you have Paul Rossi. He's such a champion. He's been such a fighter since the beginning of all of this, standing up and standing up for students. Um and, you know, parents are doing that all over the country. And so somebody said something about anonymity the other night when we were talking. I never touched on it. But one of the things that's really important in this fight for our country right now is you cannot be anonymous anymore.
1: Yeah. And and you, Heather was talking about how the federal government is kind of like undermining uh, our local education. We saw it right front and center when Monster Liberty, you guys were being called domestic terrorists by literally the DOJ. I mean, if
5: you mess with my daughter, I'm going to make a terrorist seem like the most humane person (laughs) on the planet. Like, let's just put it simple. You mess with our kids and we're going to come for you. I don't care if you're the Department of Justice or whoever you are. You don't mess with our kids. And this is the line that we need to hold. Call me a domestic terrorist all you want. Don't mess with my kid.
15: I think so much of the problem has to do with this issue of moral um, authority and the state has has irrigated into itself the moral authority that it thinks it knows what's best um the state treats the public school parents the way the administration of of private schools treats treats uh, private school parents in a lot of ways as they're both very they're both wokeified I mean, woke well, this this stuff is has infiltrated so many schools uh public and private Um, That until you until we're able to stand up to it and and sort of have uh, come over the top, it's almost like poker. Like if if people are if you just call or fold, you're never going to win. You have to go hard. You have to go over the top and double down on your own sense, your own moral intuitions. We have to we have to make the case that civic virtue and liberty. These aren't political preferences. These are moral issues. America, you know, for its flaws, for what it's failed to live up to, yes, but our principles and our ideals are are morally correct, and what they're trying to do is immoral. And until you have that frame that's guiding you and guiding your your voice, you're going to it's going to be very difficult. You're, you're going to be on your heels all the time.
0: I just uh, want like- to. I like. I want to interject one thing um, to to Heather's point. You know, on on parents really standing up and and taking action when it comes to their kids uh the uh the georgia department of education this is specifically in georgia but you know you can read their full statement uh we posted it on our on our twitter page and you know all of our social medias but they say in addition to the efforts parents should be aware that hb 1084 the protect students first act establishes a complete resolution process that parents students educators or personnel can follow up and report a violation uh, they further go on to say that they encourage parents to follow up with this process and to report these violations um, to, of the protect students first act. So um, to your point, Heather, you know, it really is on the parents um, who are noticing these things, you know, in the readings that they're getting you know, sent home with and, you know, in their assignments, all these little, little things that they're seeing, it, you know, it's on the parents to start reporting these things because the government uh, seems to say that they want to hold these people accountable.
14: The problem is there's no yeah, real I accountability. Just to be clear, yeah. there's never any – it's mm-hmm. like the fox watching the hen house.
0: There's never any
14: real accountability. I just want to put that out there, and that's what we have to change. There has to be a private right of action in all of these new policies that are coming forward and bills that are being passed. The Pupil Protection Rights Act um, needs to have a private right of action because right now we're asking public schools to police themselves, and they can't do that. They have they, they, The system protects the system.
5: It does not protect the kids. I mean, if like there's some places in the United States right now, right, like I think in California or someplace where they're actually trying to make it so that you can like all sorts of stuff like hormone blockers can be given to your child without parental consent, like they're completely trying to come between the parent and and the child. These are predators that are running the institutions. They're not educators with an ideology. They're evil, sick, twisted people that are trying to separate parents from their children. And so it might not be as bad in your state. But if we look at what's going on in other parts of America right now, like CRT looks like nothing compared to these kids that are going and getting like doing irreversible damage to their bodies. I know there's been a um, like so many schools these days are pushing the LGBTQ agenda, right? And nobody wants to be labeled, you know, a bigot or transphobic or a domestic terrorist. But I mean, when you have the truth on your side, who cares what they call you, right? There's so many kids out there that, you know, go through these transitions. There's some that are speaking out now through an organization called Changed, which is former LGBTQ people that have now retransitioned back to, You know, their biological sex or whatever, but more and more people are speaking out that have gone through this stuff. This is life changing, demonic, disgusting stuff. And they're putting it in classrooms with elementary school kids. Like they're teaching kids, Heather. I think I think it's
14: important to remember. I really do because I worked in the system. There are a lot of there are some ideologues. There is no doubt. I mean, libs of TikTok has showed us that. But there are also a lot of people that are caught up in this that are just nice people who think they're doing
5: the right thing. Yeah, I mean, I uh, honestly, I don't think I think that's a a key point. Like ignorance. No, no, I do. I think we should be educating people and there I'm sure there are plenty of, you know, people in the schools that, that, you know, think it's, oh, it's not a big deal to, you know, push some of this stuff. But at the end of the day, you got to hold the line, right? It's not an excuse to allow them to put this like this is either we hold the line or we don't either, you know, they can step up and they're going to end up like that girl who's going around on social media who had like her breast removed and these hormone blockers. And now she's having all of these issues You can't undo that. And they're pushing it and and they're blurring that line. And, you know, honestly, like ignorance is not an excuse for me at this point in time. I'd rather offend the nice person and protect the kid and be whatever name that they're going to tell me than – Than not say something and speak out And call it what it is It's disgusting, it's sick, it has no place in schools None of the LGBTQ Garbage Belongs in our schools If you don't want me going into the public school System and teaching your Child to read the bible and to pray And to wait until marriage Then you don't go in there And teach my child that she needs To be gay or trans Or whatever the hell else That's a really really
14: good point and I wish more parents Parents would stand up for their beliefs when they send their kids to school. I think every parent has the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their child, their education, their moral and religious upbringing, their medical care. And I think if more parents stood in defense of their beliefs and went to school with that expectation, we would be in a much different place in this country. Amen. I, yeah. I, I want to
15: add well, we that agree. one of the big, one of the big, big parts of the puzzle is the degree are the degree programs at the Ed schools. So. You can have school choice, you can have legislation, you can have policies, um, you can expose all this stuff, but the, the hiring pool, who are the young people for the past 20, you know, the past 20 years, 30 years, 40 years that have been going into education? They, these programs breed and mint new zealots. That's, that's what they do. They're, they're, you know, to, to actually um, understand what they're teaching, you have to read free air, you know, you have to read, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Giroux, you have to read these people that they're pushing um, on the on the teachers that are and they're coming out minted as new activists looking to mint new activists. So until there's a and I wish to God that that more young conservatives would choose teaching as a line of work because it's noble work. It's great work. It's incredibly fulfilling work. Um, but, you know, you have to build that. And it, it's going to take decades to build up
2: that, you know, th- that cohort. And Paul, I, would, I really liked what you said earlier about the, this, uh, morality versus immorality issue, right? You know, there's, there's a moral side of things and there's an immoral thing and you have to be able to distinguish this stuff. One thing that we found here in this investigation with Quentin Bostic is that as, and I'm sure this doesn't surprise anybody, is that there is, they don't believe that there is morality at all. It's not that they believe that they're immoral. They just believe that morality is relative. It's this moral relativism. Everything is relative, right? So how do you engage into – I don't know if you should engage these people in conversation or how do you even engage in any way whatsoever with a person who believes that everything is relative, right? How do you have well, any I, I would, sort of dialogue? A little
15: bit. I would challenge a little bit. They believe that everything is relative when they're undermining your morality, but they do have a morality of their own. They just won't admit it. That's so a good they, point. They do that when they deconstruct you, but they're what they're, they're just hiding the ball. So they there is a, a system of – of justice and right and wrong, which is all based around group rights and about basically it's, it's revenge. Uh, it's a revenge narrative. Yep. Um,
2: so that's my thinking on it. Gotcha. Uh, I want to get Lisa on. I know Lisa has been waiting to chat a little bit. So Lisa, please uh, chime in.
9: Well, hi everyone. Thanks so much for letting me speak. Uh, so I think the real problem here is that there is no local control and uh, Part of it is I'm, I'm a mother who actually started researching social emotional learning because I realized that they were using that program to drag critical race theory and comprehensive sexuality education under the umbrella of mental health into my child's school. And so I don't think there's going to be any accountability for um, Bostic. Uh, What they did when I exposed this with with another mother is they just eventually voted that program out, (laughs) but, you know, they swallowed the money they spent on the Second Step curriculum, and, uh, you know, the Second Step people were so brazen about it, it was very hard to get it out of other districts in my state. Uh, Many districts still adopt that program, which is actually one of the most widely used in the nation so I don't think there's going to be an accountability, but I think we need to keep our eye on the ball here, which is really that we have lost complete local control of our education system. You know, the used, um, you know, using Chromebooks during the pandemic was needed, right? Because our kids needed to communicate with their teachers and then they just kept them around. And these, these uh, digital curriculums are all by third party vendors. <laughs> they can change them at any time. As I know, a second step, um, they can add things whenever they want. And that curriculum's never approved by your school district or never gets um, seen by a committee of parents. So I, I think that we really need to talk about how do we return local control um, to our school districts and so that the parents um, can have really the, the say when it comes to the education of their children. Win back school board seats one by one. And I would say too,
5: create a local group in your own community, in your own school system, like a coalition of moms, because obviously, like no one person has the opportunity to read every book in the library, but create, you know, groups have, you know, weekly Twitter spaces with you and, you know, all the other moms or something and start banding together. And if one of you see something, say something and stick together and pushing back against it. Um, I don't know if you know, Tiffany, but I brought this up on yesterday's Twitter space. There's an app called Sora app. It's an online student subscription library. And a mom here in my state started doing some digging because one of her sons, through accessing this online library that the school partnered with, had access to books with like pornographic content. And then so she's, she brought it up to the school And then started further digging and researching some of the books in this app. And she found some that I swear to God literally contained links to dating apps and sex apps. Like it's absolutely disgusting. And I'm working on uh, doing a story on this right now actually. So the timing with this Project Veritas stuff is like crazy. But it's called the Sora app, S-O-R-A. So I highly encourage anybody to look if their kid uses a Chromebook or any sort of online thing see if their school district partners with something called the Sora app, or even if it has any online library, these libraries, like one of the big questions parents should be asking is how does a book make it into that library? What's the vetting process? And who's doing the vetting? Heather, I'll just tell you,
14: like, I I know you said moms should get together. That's why we did Moms for Liberty because, we knew moms needed to get together. So we, I'm not like, I, I try not to talk about it all the time because it's not a sales pitch, but it is working. We've got like 266 chapters in 44 States with over 110,000 members. So it is working because there is strength in numbers. Um, that is amazing. You're right. Thank though, you so much about the library books. I mean, Florida just passed a bill HB 1467. It's a bill that people can look at um, that uh, required the, for there to be rulemaking around how the books get in the libraries. We have a, self-proclaimed marxist running the american library association you have dan klein in here who talks who runs um i'm trying to think of what his twitter space is but if dan's here you should let him up as a speaker and he'll talk he knows a lot more than me but the libraries i mean these librarians think they're like messianic they think they're like the savior of the schools it's crazy
7: yes and uh, you know project veritas has put me in a litany of school board meetings, and from what I've seen in random places not making news, there's all sorts of discussions about what's going on in these libraries. What's happening is the American Library Association, they have their own catalog of what they call banned books, banned and challenged books, and what will happen is these schools, innocently enough, they want to get the banned books because traditionally banned books are thought-provoking and have a lot of critical thinking, and, and, and generally they interrogate institutions. So they sign up for these banned books and many of these books have pornographic materials that has been discussed and parents all across the country, believe it or not, they're, they're asking questions about this. And what I've noticed and what was shocking to me walking into one of these school board meetings for for the first time is these are very adversarial meetings. These aren't the school board meetings. My parents used to go to that I used to go to when I was a kid The moment you walk in, you hear about the moderator and how much time you're allowed to speak. You're told about the rules of decorum. You're threatened before you even speak that if you get out of line, here's the system and we will have an officer remove you. These school board meetings that are supposed to be collaborative environments are very, very combative. I want to get to some of these people with their hands raised. David Johnson and then Bree. Hey, thanks for um,
17: giving me a turn to speak um i just wanted to build off of what heather was saying earlier that i think a lot of parents just don't know what to look for and i think beyond um diversity equity and inclusion then one of the biggest key like terms to look out for has to be um consciousness because critical consciousness was also brought up in the hasbro training that i was in um but oh shoot i just had it um privilege is probably the biggest unifying factor because privilege exists between critical race theory and queer theory and as bad as critical race theory is queer theory is probably worse because the end goal of it is to sterilize children
2: yeah no i hear i hear that david um, i i do see Bree just joined she wants to to chime in so Bree, you have the floor
10: a very early good morning from Rome, Italy. Uh, my name is Brie Dale. I am with the Epoch Times, a rather sorry Daily Wire. Now there you go. Um, so wanted to uh, ask two questions. Really, first off, um, I remember now. I'm an, I'm a late Gen Xer, kind of on that on that cusp. Um, I recall when. Um, I was in junior high. Um, My parents attended a school board meeting and actually removed me from public school because of inappropriate material found in pornographic material found in a library and actually read by uh, one of my teachers. So I I wonder, uh, sharing this personal story, if any of you can recall a time back in your development that similar situations were taking place is this systematic is this connected to say like frankfurt school mentality of infiltration and indoctrination um thank you so much i really appreciate this i'm also working on a similar story um connected to the vatican right now not on education but on um narrative forming thanks
17: Um, I can answer that question. Uh, this is absolutely systematic. This has been being planned since the nineties and critical race theory itself originates back from the Frankfurt School. Um, so this is something that's been going through a long march through all of our institutions. Um, so 100% this is something that's being planned out from the highest level down. Even our, our current, um, administration supports critical, supports critical race theory, queer theory, and all of that in the education department. Um, yeah. so absolutely
5: yeah yeah when you look at the financing that's coming in the bill and melinda gates foundation you've got what is it yeah, hundreds gates of millions wife this is clearly a well thought out financed driven agenda and it, it it's it's disgusting honestly it's it's and I, I truly believe that the motive behind it is truly like is truly sinister and evil it's not just you know the people actually pushing it they're not the ones that think it's just teaching you know crt is just teaching racism they know what it's doing they know the effect it's having on the children they know the effects of the lgbtq stuff they're pushing when they're you know gaslighting children into thinking you know there's something they're not or or pushing incorrect grammar on them like making them think that they can change their pronouns uh you know Like, all of this stuff, the people pushing it, they know the negative consequences and toll this is going to take on our children. So there may be good people within the education system that, you know, are ignorant or parents out there that are ignorant and just think CRT is teaching, you know, anti-racism and and, and all things nice. But there are very evil people financing and pushing this agenda from the top.
2: Definitely. Um, One thing I want to... If I may. Sorry, no, please...
18: Yeah, so that what Heather just said is completely true. Um, The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, for example, pledged $300 million to social or to uh, Common Core and then $1.7 billion to social emotional learning. And so these people know what they're doing and they're doing it on purpose. The people at the top. Do understand this just as contingentially since we were talking about it. The library thing is because it allows you to circumvent. They can say that it's a First Amendment academic freedom issue in a library when they cannot say that in a classroom because of curriculum and state actors. So they're using the libraries as the Trojan horse to get this material in to create what are called generative themes. Uh, in the critical pedagogy literature the goal is to get the child to think about the issue then bring it up in class then the teacher has a license to talk about it so if it's in a library book and they get encouraged maybe to pick it up in the library the library is just making something on offer it's not pushing it to the students but what kind of summarizes um and when i, I asked to be a speaker I, I requested speakership when i heard um you guys say that their morality is relative and how do you talk to them and this isn't yeah, kinda, but no, it's false. Their morality is absolutely extremely absolute. Their the morality is positional. Um if you have the consciousness, then what you do is moral and right. And if you don't have the consciousness, then what you do is moral and or immoral and wrong. To have the consciousness, though, means that you've joined the cult. So what you end up with is the kind of top people pushing it that Heather are talking about. They are in the cult. They're in the inner circle of the cult. They understand the cult. They're pressing the cult. Around them, you have kind of very dedicated people. Maybe this character you guys busted uh, is in the kind of um, what you would call inner school, which is not the inner circle. It's not the leadership. Maybe he's leadership. I don't know. But those people understand the cult doctrine, and then you have an outer school. And those are people who have picked it up and they follow the morality, they think it's what it means to be a good person and that morality, when I say it's positional it means what is your position in society and what is your consciousness of your position in society it's not enough to be black for it to count under CRT that you're special because if you're Larry Elder you're the black face of white supremacy, you have to speak from a position of being uh, conscious of what it means to be black according to systemic racism and CRT's definitions, well the outer school people are people who have picked up the lingo but have no idea what the cult's pushing or why it's pushing it, and most of your so-called good people think and have been kind of dragged into believing that this is what it means to be a good person. So when you, the question was, how do we talk to these people? How do you deal with them when morality is relative? Is it, Stop thinking about morality being relative. Start thinking of these people having joined a cult. And they have a cult that has a very specific morality. It may or may not end in drinking Kool-Aid. Uh, and you have to kind of literally think almost in terms of cult deprogramming. It's more like, how do you get them to see the crack in the matrix where all of a sudden the cognitive dissonance is so big that they ask a question, then they start falling down the holy crap, I've been lied to red pill tunnel until they come out the bottom and we can start talking to them. And so it's, it's a mentality that has to kind of change the, the, this whole operation, critical race theory, queer theory is 20 times more dangerous than critical race theory. Critical race theory is mostly a setup for, for queer theory for a lot of kids. Uh, in the schools, also, of course, I hate America, Red Guard kind of thing like we saw with BLM in, in 2020. But it's mostly to push kids into adopting queer identities and wrecking their bodies and destroying their minds and ruining their families. So you have to start thinking in terms of these people being dragged into a cult. And it's an extraordinarily cult mindset. We can go real deep with that. Um, that's another talk for another time. But. How would you talk to somebody who's in a cult is the question, not how do you talk to somebody who's morally relative? And that answers these questions about if they're good people or bad people or whatever. They're people who have picked up the cult because they're going along to get along or it feels right, or they've kind of picked it up or they kind of buy into it and their emotions have been manipulated. And the goal is to initiate your children into cults. I just want to make that last point. Queer theory explicitly from 91 or thereabouts, very early on uh, in uh, explicit queer theory was outlining that they see things in binary pairs. Of course, they hate binaries, so they have to talk about binaries. And the key binary they talk about with children is innocence versus what? Initiation. That's in their literature quoted from – this is Eve Sedgwick I'm talking about specifically. So they think of children as coming to them being innocent to – the world, and it's their job to initiate them into the proper understanding of the world. And once you get into that, the morality is absolute. It's savage. It's cruel. It's brutal. And it will, will break them down, tear them down and tear down their family structure, tear, tear down their whole life. So you have to think in terms of talking to cultists, which is a very different approach than thinking somebody thinks, oh, yeah, because I think it it's good. That's That's kind of moral relativism. So that's that's just a, a perspective shift and knowing that the people at the top bill and Melinda Gates know why they're dumping billions of dollars into this. And we have to remember that that's an important component of this.
10: Thank you, James. Thank you. I'm going to reach out to you on a, uh, on a story I'm working on. Like I said, uh, on, on a Vatican connection to this. Thanks.
5: That was so well said. That's all I want to say James.
7: Very, very, very well said. You're listening to James Lindsay, great author and a, very well versed in postmodern theory he's written a litany of books on the subject um,
5: J- james you should start a school
18: i have a podcast
5: <laughs> <laughs> but i feel like we need people like james to start being the ones that are heading and running these schools i mean it's like your breath of fresh air
2: pro bono so, please
0: <laughs> that's right that's right so um, just to just to kind of move on a, a little bit i will i will say Um, I know that RC alluded to it earlier, Um, you know, project Veritas, we do this kind of, you know, part one, part two, this, this drip campaign uh, with some of these stories. So I, you know, I guess a little Twitter space exclusive. I mean, I can, I can go out and say that uh, we're not done with uh, Quentin Bostic. Uh, Tomorrow we will be putting out a video uh, James O'Keefe actually sat down with him in Georgia earlier this week. And, uh, you know, I'll just say, Quentin wanted to have a conversation. So uh, that is coming tomorrow. You guys can expect that. I think that that will give a lot more insight into Bostick's beliefs and, you know, some of, you know, exactly what we've been talking about tonight in terms of they actually they believe this stuff and they want to – they want to disguise it they're they're pretty okay with letting you know that that's what's happening and uh you know to say that he doubled down on his his statements that he's made you know on these undercover videos um you know might be an understatement so the conversation that james and him had uh it's it's pretty incredible we're gonna uh, i believe release it in its entirety uh for the most part so uh stay tuned for that and you know if anybody wants to you know, chime in on what they what they maybe think, uh, you know, about what this could be, uh, let me know.
19: I also
7: want to chime in about what James said regarding funding. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, almost its own NGO, um, funding lots of radical education and other sorts of projects around the world. But the United States government may be funding this. I mean, this story is talking about how perhaps, you know, local counties are paying money to these entities to bring in CRT, you also have COVID, COVID grants, which is a little known secret now that COVID money has been tied into third party organizations who come into schools and offer them social, emo- emotional learning and equity inclusion. So, you know, we can say what we want about the motives of some of these private entities, but the U.S. government paying you know, these entities money to come in and brainwash these students. Very troubling. And just a fact check from earlier, we talked about kindergarten kids being a part of teaching labs operations. That is absolutely accurate. Teaching labs, some of their labs priced at $816. You can do a deep dive into K through 12 skills and why it's important to provide a culturally responsive and sustaining education response to how they learn. Um, We have Lisa.
9: Yeah. So I think it's important to understand how a lot of these programs are getting in and it's not just, um, it is the COVID money, right? But it's because for instance, uh, we have accreditation agencies like Cognia. They'll come in and say, Oh, we need to do an equity audit on your school district." And then they'll say, Well, your outcomes are are disparate. So that means you need to adopt a DEI or DEIB program, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. Um, and your teachers need to be trained. And you know, you need to fix the social emotional and the cultural responsive teaching you we were just talking about. Um, we also have strategic planners that come in, they do the same thing, and then they say, Well, you have to adopt um, you know, a more diverse program, and you have to have different perspectives. And and I think that it's, you know, it definitely is the money, it's the policies, um, like James mentioned yesterday, like the Every Student Succeeds Act, um, which says we have to collect data on some non-cognitive um, uh, metric for students. Um, it's all of these areas, and and yes, they're, they're funneling tons of money. It's the school districts adopting it. It's Um, different vendors coming in and saying that they have to adopt these things.
7: To piggyback off of that, right here on the Teaching Lab's website, you can go to the accreditation section in which they will tell you about how participants can receive a certificate of participation, which can what? It can serve as a verification of attendance for state-approved requirements. So when the state says you must engage in some sort of diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, training, they can go to teaching lab and they can pay them a boatload of money and they can get a certificate. And that is how the racket operates. And hopefully Richard Woods, the Georgia superintendent will get down to this. I can read a little bit of his statement. He says that he is firmly opposed to the inclusion of critical race theory and other divisive concepts in Georgia's public school and attempts to push these are illegal Yada, yada, yada. Well, we've already talked about the lack of accountability metrics um, that exists currently. So it's going to be interesting to see how this happens. Are they going to track money? Are they going to track some of these cards? Are some of these Cobb County, if you don't know Georgia, Cobb County and Fulton County, I mean, those aren't necessarily the most conservative uh, counties. So what level of transparency will these superintendents even offer? Um There definitely gets, it definitely gets to a point to where I'm sure the Georgia superintendent's office are going to ask themselves how much, how many cages do we want to rattle in order to rectify this? Um, We see this time and time again, unfortunately, at Project Veritas where, uh, you know, some kind of overarching entity will investigate something, issue a strong statement. However, they understand the system, system is more broken than they can fix. So, it's not necessarily in their diligence to continue to go after the problem because that only illustrates to everyone that there is a problem and that they've allowed the problem to persist. So
14: so I see you have Kelly as a speaker. Kelly, you know, the CDC is, is located in Atlanta in, in- Georgia this is no mistake and the CDC has just declared a lot of things including that racism is a public health crisis and in the Sh- Chicago public schools has it written into their equity framework that this declaration by the CDC and it guides what they do so Kelly is the one to speak about CDC how that you know you talk about money getting into schools well the CDC is one way that happens
20: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have, uh, I guess it was mentioned earlier, they call it the WISC model. It's the whole school, whole community, whole child. And I will say James has an excellent podcast on Marxism and uh, this idea of holism or the holistic. And the cdc is endeavoring into the education sector to combine education and health for equity equity of each which is significant piece because they want to make every school a community or as they call it a healthy school and what does this look like it's right on the cdc's website it's a full service school that has a full health clinic your child's medical records are kept on campus Doctors, telehealth, nurses, eye exams, every, every social service is right there. And so it's going to be presented really, uh, marketed well. But in actuality, they put these models into place. And what does health equity mean to the woke? Well, it includes down the line exactly their endeavor and what they're working towards. They want health equity, which to them means Puberty Blockers for Kids and These Surgeries, and much more. Here in California, the Community School Initiative is already $3 billion of funding, but it's going to be pulling together local resources, state and federal. And we're not just talking about the Centers for Disease Control, but this initiative of safe, inclusive, and healthy schools goes back to the World Health Organization. It's a huge topic, and every American needs to know about it.
2: So I actually, Kelly, based on what you said uh, earlier, what Bree was talking about, and this is some, something that I always, I've, I've been thinking about this specific topic that I'm, I'm about to discuss for, for as long as I've known myself. But you know, within the right, what I've learned is that there's, you know, and I think it's a very good tendency. But there's this te- tendency that you know, if you're from, you know, if you're an American conservative, you should only care about what's happening in America, and if you're a French conservative, you should only worry about what's happening in France. But what we know about the left is that they don't think that, that way at all. As a matter of fact, they don't believe in nations, as we know that, and they they work together and on, on an international level. Um, I want to open up the conversation, and this applies to the education side too, because we see that indoctrination and um, you know all these different racial and LGBT agendas are happening across the the whole world. It's not just in the U.S. So, how do people here, you know, think about you know, obviously you want to focus on what's happening on the, in the United States, but also shouldn't, you know, is there a more effective way of combating this by uniting forces, um, with different, uh, people think the same, same way as you do, but are not in the United States. I want to open up the floor to that conversation.
5: I mean, I think um, I'll say I think with CPAC right around the corner, I am pretty sure over the last couple of years, CPAC has actually expanded to CPAC Mexico, CPAC like Brazil, like um, they're doing some stuff in other countries as well. And I think Turning Point USA is even sort of, you know, is building relationships with people in other countries. I think it's really organizations like that, conservative organizations that branch out into these other countries and like you said, Mario, that you team together and help fight this because it really is a, a global issue. And if the left is teaming up, it's almost like the World Health Organization is the cult James was talking about, right? Like that's the epicenter. These globalists are the epicenter and they're all together. But there's so many patriots when you look at, you know, these protests going on in Brazil and protests going on in Canada and protests going on all over the country. The freedom is a universal thing. Protecting children is a universal thing. Parental rights is a universal thing. The majority of people in this world are not in that cult. We're not a part of that cult. And if unified, that cult does not stand a chance. So I absolutely think on a global scale that we should have more international partnerships when it comes to fighting these issues. And I thought that's actually one thing President Trump did really well in office is he really did align himself with other world leaders that thought like him, that like pushed the same values that we all hold dear. So that's my two cents.
0: No, I was just gonna jump in. I think, you know, one of the things, um, you know, since I've been at Project Veritas, you know, speaking of this kind of you know worldwide discussion, is you know a lot of times we'll get videos sent to us, you know from from other countries where people have actually subtitled them over, you know in French or in German or you know Spanish, and one of the you know one of the things on this idea of you know partnering with you know other other you know entities around the world, you know getting this it's about the flow of information, so. You know, that maybe that's one thing, you know, we can do a little better. You know, these videos, they do transcend into, you know, other parts of, of the world, not just America, to Mario's point about that, you know, everybody's fighting the same fight. So, you know, the more that we can do that, you know, I think that'll be good.
7: I think it's also important to well, note, think- you know, I really challenge you to not think of this in terms of a right-left divide. And I know some of you are saying, O-R-C, come on you know there's only one demographic politically who thinks that, for example, math is racist. And you may be correct. However, there are a large amount of educators, and I'm sure Paul knows many of these people, who do not agree with math being racist and who do not think that math needs to become more inclusive and less uh, logical. Um, and the only way I think we're going to actually achieve a consensus point in this country Is when we let those leftists know it's okay you can say that math is not racist and that does not mean that you're that you're maga that doesn't make you maga to say math isn't racist you can you can stop this insanity and uh i think i think we should all just remember that
15: i totally agree i mean i can say that even in my extremely you know woke school grace church school Um, I had people, a lot of people approach me privately and I did not, I totally underestimated the extent to which so much of the way people presented themselves in in the social environment was performative and they had, you know, very different ideas. Um, you know, it would always be prefaced by, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't go as far as you, but you know, there's definitely qualms. There's definitely that crack opening and you want to give people like that, the chance, you know, that that, you know, to take to go through that crack, you know, to go through that thing and look around, because if what the other the other side is constantly pushing that if you don't align with with this moral imperative, then you're like the January 6th interactions, right? You're like these terrible people and they characterize it that way. So, you know, you want to be the welcoming arms, you know, you want to be the the year that you can just let them go through the process. It's a lot. It is like culty programming in that regard.
2: Lisa, I think you uh, wanted to chime in there a bit before if you want to hop on.
9: I was going to talk about um, the United Nations and, you know, we're talking about reaching out to other nations and pushing back against this agenda. There are already groups like Family Watch International that are meeting with delegates from different countries and, you know, helping them to fight back against... In United Nation agencies agenda, because this is where a lot of this stuff is, is coming from. And so um, I think it's, it's important for us to realize that the stuff we're seeing in the schools is really this push for a, a, a global education okay. that has to do with a, a comprehensive sexuality education and other um, UN sustainable development goals.
2: Absolutely. Um, Also, I know uh, Carolina hopped on and Dan uh, Kleiman are on. Uh, If you guys wanted to, you know, hop on the conversation, please feel free.
16: All right. This is Dan. I'm from Safe Libraries. I want to agree with R.C. Maxwell. He said what he said about um, uh, people have to realize that both sides oppose this stuff, not just one side. I know that in the case of the library stuff that I do, that the American Library Association knows that both sides oppose explicit books in public schools, but they frame it as just the conservatives and the crazy Christian prudes um, because that kind of framing it as just one side scares off the other side and makes a lot of hay for them. When in reality, they know that everyone opposes this stuff. So R.C.'s Maxwell's idea was a great one, in my opinion, and I could – in the case of the American Library Association. And uh, while I have you all here, just one more thing. You you know, you're talking about all this stuff for exposing secret curriculums. Y'all have to remember, librarians are the silent ones that are pushing a lot of this stuff into the schools with their American Library Association book lists and their leaders. One of the leaders recently just said, uh, or I reported on it, that they know this material is sexually inappropriate for children, but we're going to reframe it. That's her words. We're going to reframe it as diversity and inclusion. Okay. So when you have things like that book, Gender Queer, which shows a boy giving a, well, you know what to another boy or man um, that's inclusive, you see. So uh, therefore uh, you can't take it out of the school. There's so much more I can go on with. These kinds of stuff has to do with school books. I just want you all to be aware that it's librarians, not just teachers that are responsible for a lot of what's going on in schools. And they do it sneakily too. That's their word. Sneakily train each other to do things sneakily precisely. So parents don't know. I've seen even in Texas, just one more thing, even in Texas, they are just training librarians how to violate the FOIA laws Um, in order to push these section-appropriate things on kids uh, by uh, using their personal emails and personal Wi-Fis to talk about how to do this so it doesn't become part of the public record and parents can't get them in FOIA requests.
7: And just so we understand what the landscape looks like, you know, I have seen parents get laughed out of school board meetings for bringing up these books. I've seen other parents quickly, and librarians for that matter, quickly say, you think kids are going to the school library for porn? Ah, ha, ha. And then all the, par- all the, the progressive parents laugh, and the concern is not met with the serious attention it needs. Uh, this is what's happening in these school board meetings, and this is not what's being broadcast, broadcasted by the corporate news. Um, only Project Veritas is, is, is showing you um, kind of what's going on. I believe Carolina had her hand raised.
21: Yeah, so I just want to revert back to the idea that we're fighting a battle of good and evil. So, yes, I I hear the whole left versus right. I mean, everybody understands I'm more of a, you know, right, um, you know, conservative. I like to just say that I'm pro-life, pro-God, pro-family, you know, pro-America. And uh and most for you know, most important is I'm a constitutionalist. So with that being said, what these guys are doing is not only illegal but also evil. And so I wanna put the responsibility back on the parent parenting because I understand that some parents have to go to work and they have to, you know, uh leave it to the system. But unfortunately if we don't reel it back to parental support and having parents, you know, go to the school boards and kind of be, you know, hovering over this entire group of you know infiltrators. I mean, we know who's behind a lot of this, and it's immoral people that are trying to hijack our country. They're trying to hijack, you know, the foundation, what this country was based on, which is, you know, godly, uh, godly, you know, um, godly and constitutional uh, rights. So they're trying to remove all of that from the school, and they've already have. So I want to invite all the parents to just put those little small things back into schools how many parents are actually reading the curriculums how many parents are actually taking the time you know to say well look I'm putting my children into this system let me at least find out what they're being taught uh, I want to say the that uh, there was some kind of uh, education website that my kids had to log in, um, math something, Excel or whatever it was. And uh, I actually went in and I walked my kids through uh, when the school switched to that. And I was very, very pissed off to see the way that they were luring people. Now, with the artificial intelligence just recently doing the chat, um, the chat the ai that they just did my son you know started using it for their english class and i just found out that if you asked any conservative values or or what is about the conservative it is definitely oriented to manipulate the narrative so all of the technology we have is is completely against uh godly narratives so put God back into the schools. And if you don't want to fight the system, then pull your kids out of that system, pull the, pull your kids out of the school. You know, I did a combination of homeschooling and schooling because I found a very, very good school for my children. And a lot of the people in in charge, the teachers were, you know, people that were on the same background of understanding for, for what I wanted my children to be educated in. And so I didn't have those problems that most people have. And when we did, you know, it's because we were on the school boards reading, you know, the curriculums and all of the stuff that they wanted to put in the agenda. So it all falls back on the parenting. Uh, We cannot leave the state to educate our children, period.
5: Amen. That's sort of like what I said earlier is that I feel like like, no parent is perfect. I'm certainly not a perfect parent. I don't put myself on a pedestal or anything like that. But I think once you're become, once you aware that this is going on, like, you can't unsee it, and you sure as hell cannot not do something about it, right? Like, so if you didn't know what was going on before, or if you thought CRT was just something great, and you didn't realize how bad it really was, once you become aware, if you're a good parent, you're going to fight back against it 110,000%, because our kids should be our number one priority and it is nobody's responsibility other than our own to protect them. So if this stuff is creeping in their school system, it is our job and our job alone to get it out. It's our job to instill values in them and like I said, equip them with the knowledge, right? So like for me as a mom, my daughter, like I knew at some point this could be creeping into the schools. I personally watch watch church with my daughter, like I've instilled a good foundation for her. But then I also tell her and explain to her in no uncertain terms, there will be people that try to push these things on you. These are wrong and here is why. And I explain it to her so that when she's met with these teachers, she recognizes it before they have a chance to sink their teeth into her. You know what I mean? Like, you have to take responsibility for your own children and equip them with the tools and the knowledge so that when these – it's almost like teaching the basic concept of stranger danger, right? You teach your child not to get into, you know, a vehicle with a stranger or not talk to strangers, but this is something just as important. It's it's If there's a teacher that is teaching you this or that is saying this, it is wrong and you need to tell me. And here's why it's wrong. So it's, it's sort of like so many parents I feel like have, you know, put the responsibility of teaching these
21: things onto the school. But once you wake up, there's no excuse. You can't let it continue. Piggy writing on what you said, Heather, I understand parenting is hard and there is no manual. There's no book on parenting. uh, But that doesn't mean that it's going to remove the responsibilities for parents to try and try their hardest. I mean, it starts with basic concepts like, you know, sitting at the dinner table and having a discussion. What did you go over at school? Who did you talk to? I understand that the children right now are under heavy influence. You know, I've been screenshotting the stories on Snapchat since uh, my, my 19 year old daughter was in sixth and you know I've put out information I think I actually gave James um, I sent to James you know some of the screenshots that I was seeing so don't think that they're not being brainwashed even outside of the school TikTok is is one of the biggest you know um, like collection of data for CCP and for all of this other you know agencies that are trying to infiltrate our country don't think that they're not already infiltrated in your schools and your medical system and our banking you know communism is something that they Want us to to give in to, and uh, the children are being brainwashed as we speak. Whether it's at the school libraries with those books that they're reading, but also with the technology. The technology is the leading cause of you know most of the children revealing against their parents. It used to be yeah sure watching Disney Channel and and yeah parents are always stupid in the in there or they're always lying to the parents or they're ridiculing the parents or parents shouldn't be here there or the other. But the other day I saw a story on Snapchat. And it was a, a transgender woman uh, saying, hey, I want to tell you a secret, you know, but I'm going to go downstairs because I don't want my parents to to hear what I'm going to tell you, but you might feel the same way that I do. And I started to screen record that because I thought it was so important so that people can see how they're grooming the children, not just in the schools, but they're doing it through social media. You know, I I'd never thought to take away the kids, my children, their phones or anything like that. I want them to be technically savvy. I want them to be aware of the enemy. Attacks. I want them to know what's going on, but that means that I'm gonna now have to actively be engaged with my children and and explain every single thing that they're encountering. So parenting cannot be done in a lazy manner. You have to, you know, get up, you know, shower, go with your child to to wherever you need to be if they're not of, you know, driving age for high school. But if you're just make that effort, join the PTA meetings, join, you know, volunteer at the school if you have the time. If you're working 24 seven, then you know, I cannot help, you know, uh, to, I cannot help you any other way than, yeah, sure, at least have a call with the teachers. So for example, um, my son had to write an uh, essay, and the teacher was very liberal and I, I escalated. I said, well, you're going to write the essay, but you also going to write why you don't agree with the essay. And then I'm going to bring it to your school. And then I escalated to the principal and said, why is it that your, your student, your teachers are imposing this garbage on my child? I wrote, I, I let him write it the way that he was asking for the grade, but I also had him write it in the way that, that he needed to write it. Yes, it's extra work, but we brought it to the school. And guess what? My child no longer ever has to write anyway that, oh, because it's diverse or it's inclusive and whatnot. So I, I don't care. I will fight the school back and I will fight this crazy, you know, liberal infiltrated teachers. I mean, it's not about division, but it's about right and wrong. And if it's wrong, you cannot serve two masters. And that is where I leave it. You know, that's where I draw my line. You either serve God or you serve the Satan. That's it. There's no in between. There's no, you're not going to manipulate me with compassion and with all the the inclusivity and the confusion of your gender and the words and all of that. I'm not going to put up with it. I'm going to tell it like it is, you know, that's what I do with my kids school.
0: I I think that's a good way, um, a good way to think Carolina
21: and appreciate you saying that.
0: Um, I I want to, uh, you know, welcome uh, to the chat she just joined. Um, this is Gabrielle Clark. She says that she has some info, insight. Um, she just filed the first federal lawsuit against CRT indoctrination on behalf of her son. So uh, I just want to welcome Gabby, Gabby to the chat and uh, give her an opportunity to, uh, to talk to us.
22: Thank you so much, Eric. Um, yes, my name is Gabrielle Clark. Uh, I filed the first federal uh, lawsuit against woke indoctrination in America and my daughter was also socially transitioned believing that she was a boy and I created the program to pull her out of that cult and that program is being used with some success all over the world um <laughs> you know I and and we we filed the first federal lawsuit in 20 in December of 2020 Um, and the lawsuit has since been resolved. Um, but I gotta tell you, you know, when we're talking about fighting this stuff, when you're talking about fighting this stuff, it's all, it is, it's in the, in the beginning of fighting. Yes. Go to your school boards. I just went to a school board meeting last night, uh, talk, you know, talking to uh Conroe ISD about their, about their, uh, book issue about the the porno, pornographic books in schools um on the be at the behest of parents that i have been counseling and in, in trying to encourage to utilize lawfare as a way of fighting back because let me tell you something if you've received a uh, survey of any kind in a public school then you have a compelled speech lawsuit and and it is my view that if you're not filing a lawsuit based on your First Amendment, 14th Amendment, uh, Title Six, and or Title IX rights, then you're not doing enough. And I say this because there are there are public interest firms that will take your case. And because of what I have done, because of what I because of that, I've paved the way for uh, for people to file lawsuits, and recover money from those lawsuits. Now, there are lawyers who are not public interest firm lawyers. There are lawyers that will take your case on a contingency. I find lawyers for people. I found lawyers for detransitioners. I have been doing every single thing I possibly can. This is my kitty cat's account because I've been kicked off Twitter. And so uh, on my uh, Gabs Clark Five, uh, that's my main account. So if you have any pull in this space, please somebody get me back on my account. Uh, but anyway, I'm trying to write the book to help pull other children out of social transitioning because we have people that are really actively fighting against medicalization. But what I'm seeing is that half the half of the children in urban areas are now identifying as LGBTQ. And what is going to happen to those children when if they live in, like I live in Texas, if you live in a state that does not allow medical transitioning, underage medical transitioning, what's going to happen when those kids turn 18? How many kids are going to uh, medicalize and their parents are not going to be able to do anything about it? Now, I've already created pathways for lots of different things. But if you're a parent and you are not filing a lawsuit based on based on your rights as a parent and your children's rights, then in my view, you're not doing enough. Because you cannot rely on your governments, local or state or federal, to do anything about any of this. There are I don't know how many uh no left turn education chapters in Georgia they're they're barely scratching the surface. They've been fighting this for years. They've been fighting CRT in Georgia for years, and they have they have re- they have gotten I mean they've had some victories. don't get me wrong, but by and large, if you don't start hitting them where it hurts, if you don't start hitting them in the wallet, then there is not going to be any change. Because there are billions upon billions of dollars being poured into this. And if you don't take away that, if you don't take away some of that, and if you don't chip away at some of that, then you can forget about the rest of it. You can talk to your blue in the face and they will laugh at you behind your back. They will they will. For each individual parent, they use what I call parallel language messaging. And thank you so very much, James, for all of your research because I based all of my stuff on your stuff. And I'm gonna tell you, I stole it. So whatever, sue me. You you have to just go in there and get real raw. As conservatives, we are taught not to sue people because that's somehow underhanded. You better get over that. The liberals will go out and sue people. They'll go out and protest. But conservatives won't. Why? Because they taught us that it was a bad thing to do that? No. You better activate yourself and get out there and sue somebody and get out there in them school boards and start protesting and start making yourself known and making yourself big and making yourself heard. Because if you don't, they will lie right to your face and as soon as they shut the door, they will laugh at you. Just like they tried to do us. They tried to fail my son. They tried to keep him from graduating, but guess what? He graduated. You ain't gonna do that to none of my kids. Everybody needs to get it in their head that you can't just, you know, uh, write a letter or go to a school board meeting or do this or do these one little, you know, these little things. Even trying to inoculate your children is not enough. They will find a way. You better get out there and fight fire with fire, figuratively. Uh, you know, whatever. Not really. Don't, don't, don't light anything on fire. You know what I'm saying? Get out there and fight hard. Fight, fight dirty, and do the do the exact same things that they did to us to get to this place. If you're not doing that, you're not doing enough. Every single person in here. If you have a child in school, if they have been given a survey, you look at that school and you find a way to sue them. Sue they draws off. Sue them blue. And and somebody tell Elon Musk to let my account come back. Thank you. I will actively yeah.
5: work so to get your,
22: your account back. I will actively work to do that. And <laughs> I don't right. know your first
5: name, but, like, you're, oh, my God, you just, like, inspired me. I'm, I had, like, goosebumps. Like, this is exactly what every every single parent in the country needs to have, that kind of fire, because we are fighting evil, and there's no, like, there's no line as a parent that you can cross that's going too far when it comes to protecting your kids. I mean, the, the, like there isn't, and we have every single obligation as parents to do this. This is like a, like, oh God, I really would love to hear more about your deprogramming book. So if I shoot you a DM, I would love to connect off of this and, you know, maybe interview you. Um, Cause I'm a journalist myself and I report on Real Americans' Voice. So I would love to interview you about some of the work that you've done in your lawsuits and stuff and help give you a bigger platform Um, Because I love what you're doing. And I think we need to start doing more to positively reinforce people like her. People like Project Veritas, Mario, Eric, James. You guys are doing such amazing stuff. And I think one of the biggest things that this, this cult has had going for them for so long was that people were too afraid to speak out because they didn't really have an outlet. They didn't have a place to go where they would be positively reinforced for that well now these whistleblowers coming forward to project veritas have that place where they can go and they are met with a whole team of people that support them and what they're doing and all of these followers i mean every time somebody comes out you guys you know that they're going to lose their job, but then the Project Veritas Army freaking fundraises and, you know, helps pay their bills for the next several years. And it shows that the majority of people are behind them, that when you leave the cult, there is a huge amount of support for you waiting on the other side. And so I think we're really at a, a cultural paradigm shift right now where this cult really is losing their grasp on things. But 100%, we need to start suing because lawfare is one of the number one things that they're using against us and we're not using in return. So uh, return fire 100%. And please, I'm going to slide into your DMs, Gab, so I hope you reach out.
21: And Heather. Uh, Heather, I want to say one thing real quick. Uh, Gabs, you're in my neighborhood, so uh, definitely we have the boots in the ground. You need support; just also get with us. And and I work a lot with Heather behind the scenes, so she's amazing, and she will give you a platform if you choose to do that. I
22: speak to I speak to anybody. I speak to everybody. If somebody asks me to come out and to their school board if they ask me to go to austin i go to austin if they ask me to come to conroe i go to conroe i was with julie jamon um when they tried to uh when they kicked her out of the ymca antifa broke my finger i'm not afraid to get up in antifa's face neither i i do all of that because i've made this my whole life i've made this my entire life I want parents to understand. You do not have to keep being afraid. If they call you a racist, call them one right back. Shit. Don't listen to them. You don't have, I mean, you know, stop letting them tell you who you are. If they if they if they call you a homophobe, then tell them you're trying you're trying to trans the gay away. Get out of here. You're a homophobe. If they say if they say you're just a transphobe, forget you. I love Liza Minnelli impersonators. I do not want that pedophile reading to my kids on the weekends. You there's a difference. You you know you got you have to figure out what it is. Those those avenues to fight back and get and get indignant. You know, like use your righteous indignation against them and use their own stuff against them. I will go right up to a white man Antifa guy and be like, "You with your white privilege, Get out of my face! You you know you don't have to keep on uh, playing nice. And I feel like, in in my view, conservatives spend too much time playing nice and trying to be respectful and all of this. Here, they're trying to cut your baby's titties off. You don't have to be nice to them. What you being nice to them for? They're trying to hurt you. You don't be nice to people who are trying to kill your children. I mean, you know, this is, this is the kind of attitude I think that is missing from all of this. They've cowed us into compliance by telling us that if we have passionate discussions or if we fight back vigorously, then we are somehow unhinged. You want to see a bitch get unhinged? You start fucking with her kids. Then you going to see that. I, because I'm not going to be nice to you while you're trying to take my daughter away from me. You're going to see some some realness. You're going to see the real, real when you try to take my kids. And every single person think- needs to get like that.
14: I just feel like it's important that it doesn't have to get to this point. So I think what Project Veritas is doing now, exposing this and showing that this man is undermining the parental authority in the classroom. He knows that he's doing and he's turning the kids against the parents. Like, that's the point. That's the line. Right, City, so but social we're emotional past learning that point. is meant to destabilize the child. It's 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 that I tell the way I think of it is you. You have kids, and you say to your kids, like, if you get a funny feeling in your tummy, if you think that mommy and daddy aren't going to like that, then you should stop and think about it. Right? Like, trust yourself. City, social emotional we're... learning is meant to undermine that response, that fight or flight response. And so, I'm interested to see what happens, what comes out, what this gentleman says now when he really opens up to Project Veritas about you know, what his motivation is for doing this, because I think it is very telling. But the line shouldn't be, you know, they have socially transitioned my child to school, and now I'm trying to figure out how to save them from this transgender cult. The line should be when you try to tell my kid that there are more than two biological sexes or that they, that home isn't safe. That's what they're saying. They're saying home isn't safe, school is safe. That's why they have all those safe stickers, which are ridiculous. You should tell your school, get all of those stickers out of the school. The safe this is a safe place nonsense. And and that's the line. And we and I think Gabs is totally right. We need to be indignant. but before it gets this bad, like immediately, don't undermine my parental authority with my child.
2: Yeah. um,
21: What I wanted to say is we're past that point. Me being a Hispanic and a minority, uh, we have been the nightmare to a lot of these indoctrinators that have come into the schools. So I understand the perspective of gaps. I think that some of the situation here, and I don't want to go with the race and all of that, but the Caucasian crowds are way too nice. This Once the Hispanic community, the Black community woke up and we said, no, you're not about to come and indoctrinate our children, we draw that line there. We're past that that line of being nice and kind and caring and loving and all of we're not there we're in a full-blown war against our children and you cannot be nice in a war so unfortunately i get it i just know that at the level that we're at 100 of the people will not even believe you know that we are in a i would say 99.99 percent of people in our country do not believe that there is a war waged on our children as we speak they're past those lines they're they're past you know uh co- just communicating their past oh you have to be nice and so they've already infiltrated us we're we're above and beyond like our nose is barely above the water so i i'm gonna side with with the situation with gaps so you have to go through the uh, measures of suing them and getting them out and like i said if you think that that we can be nice to these people, I would I would highly suggest that you go into the schools yourself and, and put yourself in that situation. Because we are like 75 percent liberals to like one, one per every um, radical. It's 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 uh, it's overpowering our children. So no, we're we're absolutely past the point of being nice. I don't think that is fair that yes, the Caucasians can't go to the level that Gab and I can for us being minorities and we can openly call them out and they can't call us racist, they can't call us all that. I think it's ridiculous. I think that we should, you know, become more than anything parents and go ask parents regardless of the color and say, I don't want my child to be shoved this garbage down their throat, remove it immediately because this is what my tax dollars are going for. And so I don't think that we should even uh, consider any type of mercy on this sexual predators that are in our schools. None whatsoever. I mean, when you think about it biblically perspective, you got to, you know, tie a rope around them, throw them over the, the ocean. That's where we're at right now.
2: Um, yeah, I, I first of all, I love the, the conversation. Um, you know, Gav said, uh, Carolina, very lively. Um, you know, thank you both for for your comments there. And also to Heather's point, she actually reminded me of something. You know, a lot of people uh, know that Project Veritas does undercover videos, right? That we go undercover and record people. But we also have a very big whistleblower insider program where we welcome people to come to us with information. It can be video, it can be documents. So you know, in the education system, that's no different, right? So if you know if you know people who are inside of the you know Department of Education, inside certain schools that are very corrupt anything education related that, you know, they're willing to blow the whistle and come to Project Veritas. You know, they don't just have to, we don't just have to work with our undercover journalists. We can have these whistleblowers come to us. Uh, so that's a great reminder there, Heather. Um And I know here, Eric Weinstein has joined our space. So I would love to get his thoughts on, um, you know, I've, if you've seen the videos we put out in the last two days and, you know, the overall conversation we've had so far.
23: Yeah. Um uh, Good to be with you. Um Let me just first of all, say that this topic is a topic unlike any other, and it produces a kind of unity, particularly on, the, on behalf of parents uh, who are not cowed, where there's almost, I mean, look, first of all, I've had James O'Keefe on my podcast. He and I have a very clear disagreement about certain kinds of undercover um, reporting, and I don't think what he's doing is wrong, illegal uh, or historically different than what journalism was, but I'm very uncomfortable with the Uncover stuff that doesn't change. However, um, I will say this. If there was ever a place to use undercover work and to use the, the lying, which I believe James was actually doing on the phone, giving a name that was not his, it would be in defense of our children. And what we're talking about is a change in our understanding of the need to balance type 1 versus type 2 error. There are some tiny minority of people who are clearly neurologically uh, processing things as if they were one gender and um, in the body of somebody with a different phenotype. But that is not the majority of what's going on. The majority of what's going on is irreversible reproductive mutilation. Uh, State-sponsored, party-sponsored, government-sponsored, normalized. And the idea that we are not, we're going to be cowed as to whether or not uh, we speak up on behalf of our daughters and our, our sons with respect to irreversible reproductive harm, which may, for example, have effects on the ability of a family to continue. You are building the woke, and this is an address to them, you are building an ultimate coalition where people will share a stage who agree on very little, who have very little in common in politics. Uh, coming from a long line of progressives, uh, we were all about working families. This is anti-family. So anything that is against working families, and this is absolutely against working families, is we're talking about a form of concentrated evil with the backing of one party. And that's my party. I'm not a Republican. There's no part of me that wants to become conservative or a Republican. What we are talking about anti-progressives. This is regress into some sort of thing where we try to, so far as I can tell, get people whose families are too weak to withstand it to join a cult uh, and give over in loco parentis rights to people who have absolutely no understanding of the long-term implications and to abdicate all of our responsibility to proper sexual and gendered. Um, development and in, in, in teaching. You, know, you have to recognize that when people say that gender and sex are socially constructed, that argument doesn't go the way they think it does. If you wear a, a kilt or a lungi, you are wearing male attire uh, in Scotland or India respectively. And the fact that it looks like a skirt uh, has to do with the fact that these things are not set by nature. They're set culturally. And it is therefore essential that every culture have concepts of what it means to be a reproductive adult in the predominant paradigm. Now, I'm all for gay marriage, and I'm all for uh, gay couples raising children. But the workhorse is the heterosexual couple. Yeah, you can, you can put your thumb down, Caroline, uh, but I'll tell you something. I am on the front lines of this battle line. And I will fight with you against anybody who comes after our children. And we can fight you and me about whether gay marriage uh, is legitimate or non-legitimate, or whether you think that I'm some sort of a libtard or a progressive nutcase. But the key point isn't that. I may not be comfortable with James. I may not be comfortable, Caroline, with you. But I will stand shoulder to shoulder with anyone who comes after our daughters and sons. And what we have to recognize is this is some kind of war where an in loco parentis system has decided to undermine families. And whatever you think think our loyalty is to the Democratic Party, uh, you've got another thing coming. Um, I will break with the Democratic Party over this issue and the Epstein issue. I mean, let's, let's, let's face it. We had a whole movement called Me Too, and we had one called Time's Up. And when it came to saying, I will risk my life potentially, to push the Epstein question as to what, whether or not this person was a member of the intelligence community, um, almost everybody chickened out. It's so quiet, you can hear a pin drop. And what I keep saying to people is the problem with young women, for example, is that we don't love them enough. We don't love them enough to give them good advice, to tell them what's actually going to add up to a happy, productive life. We don't love them enough to tell them when they're making terrible, tragic mistakes. We don't love enough them enough to be parents and say, over my dead body. If we have to move to 100% homeschooling, then so be it. But what we cannot do is we cannot allow for the normalization of irreversible reproductive harm to balance the type one, type two error problem. And what I will leave you with in closing is I had dinner not too long ago with a trans man. And the trans man was very clearly trans from a different perspective, from a different era. And, what he was saying was this is an abomination. The number of people, this is him speaking, the number of people in my category who should actually be getting irreversible. Sorry, there, the call came in. Uh, the number of people in my trans category who should be getting irreversible surgery is almost zero. And what we're doing is we're, we're, we're creating an abomination. Um, so the fact is, we've not only lost uh, conservatives, we've lost progressives, and we've even lost radical trans people who cannot stand to watch children uh, push towards the chainsaw of irre- irreversible reproductive mutilation and harm. Thank you very much.
14: Eric, I have a question for you. I, Wait, can I just ask? I have to ask this question because it's one I struggle with every day. If you want to start talking about some of these things, with people who have no idea, right? Where do you start?
23: Well, I'll tell you where I start, which may be a different place than some of the conservatives on this, on this panel. I start from a place of love and compassion because one thing I know is, is that I know that almost everyone intuits that this is wrong, but they can't figure out a way of speaking out and opening their mouths and saying something that isn't going to get them labeled as if they were opposing, let's say, gay men with Pray the Gay Away 50 years ago, right? The, the key fear among progressives and liberals is there's always a curve, and we, we think of ourselves as always being ahead of it. And as society has gotten kinder and more understanding and more inclusive and less discriminatory, we're not done with that work, but it's certainly gotten a lot better. You've created a crisis in the activist community, which says, how can I get so far ahead that I'm not at, I'm not at risk within the progressive movement? So, for example, you could decide um, that your cause is that you are going to normalize puppy play and sexual deviancies, uh, which I think that consenting adults have every right to in their bedroom, but they don't have the right to teach them in school, whatever it is. People will go and try to become the most progressive person you could possibly be in order to demonstrate how far ahead your thinking is. For example, uh, animal rights where animals should be given the vote. You know, that would be like psychotically beautiful progressive thinking where you try to come up with the farthest out thing to prove just how decent, good and forward thinking you are. And this has nothing to do with progressivism. Absolutely nothing. This is a a kind of mental illness. Progressivism means like working your ass off to try to help coal mining families or working your ass off to try to find real forms of discrimination that are holding back brilliant Hispanic and black kids who should be, you know, leaders in their field, getting rich and uh, leading our country into into a strong position. What you're seeing now is a form of mental illness that has been disguised as progressivism because many people don't understand the history. People don't understand that somebody like um, Cesar Chavez uh, was for strong borders because he didn't want illegal immigration destroying the uh, supply supply curve for labor. Um, so people have a completely insane idea of what progressives are because these, these, uh, these psychotics have come in and tried to take over the progressive movement. Now, with that said, to, to your point, What can you do? The thing you can do, which is the hardest to do, is to lead by becoming hated, right? I'm going to get hate because I appeared on a stage with something that says Project Veritas. I am going to lose followers. People are going to say, well, you appeared there, so we don't have to listen to anything you say. And they won't listen to the fact that I disagree with James O'Keefe. They will only say, well, you platformed him. Well, guess what's going on? We are coming up with a coalition that says, hands off our effing kids. And the number of people, when you start hearing a parent's righteous anger about this, you understand what you're messing with. This is like Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And where are the moms? Because I'm going to just push this back on, on, on the women here. Mothers Against Drunk Driving did something that dads against drunk driving probably couldn't do. Dads needed to stand up to Jeff on the Jeff Epstein. Now, where are the dads on Jeff Epstein and where are the moms on irre, uh, irreversible reproductive harm? That's the right division, because fundamentally, the power of mom is incalculable. And when we see women not banding together to say, I, you know, I've got three kids at home over my dead body. We're talking about something that could potentially lead to actual revolutions wherever this is practiced. If there's anything more sacred than the US Constitution, it's a child. Child doesn't have a vote. A child depends on adults. And in this world where we've just, we've removed all of the adults, it's like there was a genocide of the adults in power. And my feeling is, is that, OK, I've got a Ph.D. from Harvard. I, I'm, I'm next to James, who's got a Ph.D. in mathematics, same field as mine. We need to get as much credibility and firepower and as many divisions where we are peering with people who we totally disagree with. But we come together around this one point, which is we're parents, we're ups. Those are children. They have no vote. They have no protection. And what we are talking about is an actual form of honest-to-goodness 21st century evil. We need to talk about it. And at the la- last thing I'm going to say is, one of the places I really don't appreciate my getting into fights with my conservative friends is there are a tiny number of people who are probably in the wrong bodies, right? And if we don't acknowledge that, we lose. We need to acknowledge that that is a tiny category, and the vast majority of people affected by this are people going through normal reproductive development who we don't understand require adult direction to form healthy sexuality. And that could be healthy gay sexuality. There's no question that gay is highly conserved across cultures. I don't exactly understand why evolution selects for it, but nobody does. It's clearly built into the, to, to the, the framework. Trans is probably built into the framework because of things like persistent Mullerian duct syndrome, which is an intersex issue. We have to get compassionate about intersex and we cannot listen to the trans activists who are coming after our kids. Thanks.
7: So thanks, Eric. if you're, if you're just joining us, Twitter spaces, Project Veritas, expose on teaching lab, caught trying to subvert Georgia state law on teaching CRT and admitting that teaching lab, this nonprofit is actually a scam. We've been joined by Eric Weinstein who, if you've listened to anything he said, he needs no introduction at this point. But very, very articulate guy, educator, academic like our friend James Lindsay, mathematician, Harvard guy. Um, He's going to get a lot of questions. First, we'll go Gabs.
21: What I like to say about Eric, thank you for uh for doing that and making that step, because what I say to all the men who stand up to to, you know, this and they do have a position, is I say, congratulations, your balls dropped. I am so proud that you're actually at least coming to hear us out. That's not meant to be an insult. I'm just saying we need the men to stand up because the reason why we're in this predicament is because men at the end of the day. You know, when they go to see the creator and they're in judgment and they're going to say, what did you do with the men And the, I mean, sorry, with the children and the woman that I gave you. And so I encourage more men like Eric, whether they're whatever background to at least stand up for the, for their children you know, fight for their children. Um, I absolutely commend you for that, Eric. Thank you so much for doing that. But again, you know, we can't be lukewarm. We have to at least, you know, stand on the side of right or, or wrong, good or evil. I don't think it's anymore about right or left or Democrat or Republican. This is flat out now about evil versus good.
23: Well, Thank- let, me, let me ask you, did you detect any kind of equivocation on the basic morality of this In my voice, even if you and I are divided by politics, I would think we were united on this topic.
21: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, if I were to have a conversation probably deeper with you, I would find that you're more of a moral person to, to stand up for children. So maybe if we don't play with the wordings, with the labels, we can probably get a lot farther. And, and that's my advice as a community, because again, I'm coming into this arena to fight, you know, from actually like a foreigner's perspective, even though I was born in the United States of America, I did not grow up in these, in this country. So I came into my own country to find the hard mess of what you know all these infiltrators have put into the minds my thing was so baffling that actually men or women had more say on on some of these critical things that i saw in my childhood the men being the one solely responsible to protect me and protect my mother well i didn't have them but you know protect the females and the children so i was discouraged to see you know coming back to my country that men were being silenced emancipated abused and I have a son and uh, I'll be I'll be damned if anybody's going to disrespect my son, and I will definitely not put up with anybody, you know, uh, having to say that that men are not responsible for this. Because at the end of the day, we all know that you guys have strength, and and uh, men are are more, you know, uh, skilled in a lot of different things that us women are not. And so for me, it's almost out of character to have to go and stand up and fight, You're you know, all, expect not my husband to fight
23: harder. It's not true. This one, this one is different, right?
21: Well, yeah, I agree. Different
23: I
24: battles.
23: Mean, but, but, yes. but I'm just trying to say, you know, there was this mom in Texas who was watching all of these uh, police officers not go in in an active shooter situation. And she she hopped the fence and she got her kids out. And it, it bothers me that we watch the Academy Awards and watch the Golden Globes and we don't have an award for like mom of the year. And part of the reason that I think so many women are confused about their role in the world is that we keep celebrating men. And, you know, I want I want a poster of this woman. <laughs> By the way, she poses in, like, heels in a, in a, in a, in a dress uh, after hopping this fence and saving her children. I agree, that, Eric,
21: but that's not we, at the expense of we, we, ridiculing we, men
23: no, and no, doing no. what my they're point, doing. We're seeing is, what
21: they're doing to young men, to no, young no, no, I understand
23: this. But what I'm trying to say is, if you look at nature, the most frightening thing in nature is... Uh, a, is a mom where you've gotten between her and her young, uh, including, for example, uh, like crocodiles, if you come close to their unborn eggs. Uh, I've, I've been hiking in the Sierra Nevadas my whole life. I've never been warned about male bears the way I've been warned about female bears. And just to be very clear about this, the men are ready, willing and able, but too many of them are afraid because they're going to be called all sorts of names They may lose their jobs. They'll lose their prestige. All of these things. And on the Epstein one, we've got a sexual predator. If you know what happens to sexual predators in prison with males, um, (laughs) men are men know how to take out the trash on predation, sexual predation against children. Um, In this case, this is something where because reproduction is so tied. I mean, female is the original essential gender, with male being created from female by the addition of SRY protein, which is the, the almost the only thing coded for on the X chromosome. If you put the SRY protein on an XX human, you're going to see phenotypically uh, a um, male presentation, and if it's defective, you're going to see a female presentation. This is down to one protein. But it is almost certainly the case, Carolina, that what we need on this particular topic is leadership from the females. And if I'm talking to you about the Jeff Epstein thing, it's not because I'm ducking out. It's not because I'm being a pussy. It's because ultimately the way in which people react, you know, is this one for mom or is this one for dad? I think the Epstein one is one for dad and I think this one is one for mom. And it's not a question of abandonment. Uh, basically, I'm your backup singer. Uh, but you have to take the lead. The moms, it, this should be mothers against irredu- uh, irreversible reproductive harm. You should recreate the mothers against drunk driving. And you should march in the streets. And if, if I can just ask everyone to take- to look up the Rosenstrasse protest, uh, one of the most badass things in human history was when a bunch of non-Jewish women in Nazi Germany went into the street against Adolf Hitler and said, we want our husbands back, damn it. And you watch who backed down. Uh, I think what we've, we're not in touch, and I don't know, Carolyn, what, what country uh, you you grew up in, but almost everywhere, there's a special place for when you've pissed off the moms. When you piss off the moms, you piss off the wives, and they show up in the street, not with some stupid pussy hat, not with some understandable, you know list of, of, of complaints, but you just have one topic, which is, You cannot come after our children, which you have taken in loco parentis rights uh, over. You will find that there is nothing like moms standing shoulder to shoulder. And I just I feel like we've all forgotten this, and I'm sorry, but it just makes.
14: Hey, Eric, can you check out Moms for Liberty after you leave this space tonight? Just. Throwing that out there. Sure,
23: I don't know about it, and right. uh, well, I, I hope if it's a good thing that it'll it'll grow. And I'm look, looking at Moms
21: for Liberty. Thanks. Thank you, Eric. I okay, I, I wasn't saying that mothers or women shouldn't have a you know a responsibility. What I was trying to say is that we are in the predicament that we are in because we have shifted the balance. Um, I don't think necessarily that women aren't as important as men. What I'm trying to say because if we if, if we want to look at it even from the biblical perspective, men. Uh, Mary alone told Jesus when to perform his first miracle. The guy was like, woman, what is this to you, right? So I get I'm not saying, I mean, the woman spoke seven times not not nearly enough uh, for what I would have done. I mean, I, I can't even stay quiet one second when I see injustice. So what I'm trying to say is that in the world that we live in right now, we are seeing a shift where men are not given, you know, the authority that they should have, or at least the equality we're past that point of shifting towards, you know, feminine I think feminine, the, the last wave of feminism is the most toxic. I don't agree with it. I teach my daughters to have respect for for the man, and and the same way for my son. I wasn't saying that, you know.
8: Uh, I, I didn't interpret you
23: wrong. No, no, no. All I'm trying to say is men are being told not to be male, women are told not to be mater- Women are being told not to be maternal. Um, whatever that is, stop listening. Take the clock back. You know, 50, 70 years, whatever you have to. And remember what works. And Carolyn, what I'm talking to you about is strategy. Strategy is so many parents are doing this in an isolated fashion. We're, we're just, we're sitting at home talking to ourselves and our friends saying, what the effing, I mean, what dystopian world am I in? Am, am I like Dorothy who landed in some version of Oz in which every all adults have been killed? Whatever the adult genocide is, We have to repopulate the positions of power with adults rather than these people posing as progressives.
5: Well, I mean, you got to I want to make a point, too, because I think as far as like the erosion of women having that maternal instinct, look at what's being pushed in addition to all the LGBTQ stuff you have a society that has been grooming young girls now for a while into believing that their bodies are something that should be casually given away and then their babies easily expendable through things like abortion. Even if you agree, like I'm not even gonna make this about abortion, like regardless of it, the very concept of telling a woman that that baby inside of you is easily expendable, right, creates a disconnect from the mother and the pregnancy. And so, like, over time, now you have people like Elizabeth Warren, you know, saying, oh, women are turning down great job promotions because they don't have adequate child care. I'm sorry. God forbid you actually get to spend time with your child. No job is more important than your job as a mother and your job to raise and protect that baby. That is your number one job. And it's such a rewarding job. And and you have this these, like, Far woke people like that pushing this idea, like, oh, just get an abortion. It's not a big deal. Just, you know, put your child in a daycare at six weeks. It's not a big deal. And I'm not knocking. If you got to pay your bills and you got to do that, fine. But don't devalue
21: your job as a mother, which is the number one. Thing that we, we Heather, And living yeah. with people's means, because, you know, if you have to tighten up the belt and like, you know, budget wisely, get into a, like a small apartment. I mean, I feel like the entire country has been brainwashed to to live up to unrealistic expectations of absolute debt. So it is it is not that difficult. I mean, there's so many things you can do to feed your family. I'm telling you, because I chose I had a very support. I have a very supportive husband of 20 years and I chose to stay home. 10 years of my life. And I read every book I could think I, I enjoyed my life. My children are, you know, musicians and mathematicians. And I mean, they have a wonderful um, life because I tra- I train and taught my children to live the type of dream with the expectations of me as someone who expected more of them. Because at the end of the day, you know, uh, the children, okay, are going to be what you expect them to be no matter what. So if you You know, if you don't teach your children these values, they're going to be astray. They're going to believe anybody else. Eric, what I was trying to say with the whole mother-father thing is that why would anybody cheat children out of having a father and a mother and we're just living in such society that they don't even understand the concept of family. You know, I chose to raise my children, suck it up, not go to school for whatever long I could. And if I had to feed them beans and flour tortilla, you know, a couple times a week, just so that I wouldn't go above my means, so that I could be there with my child and so be it. But I've never had my children in a daycare. I've never had any, and if it was bad situation with, oh, my husband was, was laid off or whatever, and guess what? Let's pack our stuff, downgrade our lifestyle, and and give my children the opportunity to be with the mom and the dad. Do you know what I mean? So, I, Caroline, I, I do. I'm realistic. about to
23: leave the stage. So I'll, just, oh. I'll respond in one way. I have many sympath- sympathies with your perspective on male, female, on the importance of parenting, of having at least one stay-at-home parent. It, however, what I'm going to say to you is, is not careful with the with the 100% and the applause because you're not going to love what comes next, but I think it's good it's good advice. We'll, I, we'll get it. I
21: have something to say about it. But no, ahead. no, no,
23: I know. And, and, and I'll leave so you can say you have, definitely have the last word, but here's what I would say. Everything that you load on top of this issue is going to lose you coalition partners. So for example, some people on this stage probably think that it's an abomination to have two men raising children. I don't. Okay? Now, That doesn't mean I can't understand the perspective. Maybe we're going to find out that there's a hidden cost and you'll be right and I'll be wrong, whatever. But the key point is I'm here and I may fight with you on the stage over many things that you said. Like, For example, I believe very strongly in early uh, reproductive rights to terminate a pregnancy and I believe very strongly that you don't have such rights so easily uh, as the pregnancy goes on. You may think that's an abomination, whatever it is. If we don't load all the extra stuff, which may be very energizing to conservatives, you will have a coalition that will save your children from being mutilated at the suggestion of the people that you, that you, you gave your children to be educated, right, to, to, to the teachers and the administrators. Right now, the most important thing is not to go after the big package about how do we get back to traditional values that put children first. The most important thing is to win. And the most important thing here is you don't want, I think, to keep loading more and more onto this package and watch more and more people leave the stage and say, "Oh, I just couldn't stomach the whole goddamn conservative package. Right now, if I'm politically very far away from you, the fact is we can come together on this and then we can find out that we have a lot more in common over time. I think my, my vote is that you start with irreversible reproductive mutilation for people who are having normal questions in the process of sexual and reproductive self-assembly directed in part by society and by parents. If we can stick to that without getting into the whole conservative versus liberal understanding of the workplace and women's roles and whole business, you'll have a win as opposed to a muddle. Because if you muddle this thing, you know who's gonna win? It's the people pushing DEI. If you don't muddle it, and if you're razor sharp and clear, and you don't put all the conservative stuff on it, you're going to absolutely destroy this, because the number of us who are going to come together to save our children is enormous and cannot be stopped.
22: I, I can tell you from a, a, a you, group, a Ground Roots activist... A group, we have a, a
23: couple group of hands up. Um,
7: let's go to some of those hands. Gabs Gab, 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 was speaking was there. Gabs was Gab. speaking.
22: So, Thank you, Eric. I... As a as a boots on the ground activist, I can tell you that trying to be, uh, you know create bridges to um, fight with other groups and and make that our baseline that that has been something that we have done. And I don't know um, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, <laughs> there's I don't know how many groups. Of mothers out there, Moms of America, Moms for Liberty, No Left Turn in Education, uh, Parents Defending Education, all of these groups have all been fighting this fight for for the last few years. I mean, I was one of the first to actually activate Enough to Start, and that that was because I reached out to, to No Left Turn in Education. Now, as a person who's been doing boots on the ground activism, especially as it pertains to um, women's rights issues, I can tell you that one of the reasons why why women are very afraid to go out and protest and stuff like that in this in this in the same way that they did for um, uh, uh, Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving is because we're getting beat up by grown ass men. Okay, so and when we ask for and and not only that, but there are women who are doing this job. And when the men come to help us, then they have an attitude. Billboard Chris has been relentlessly, relentlessly attacked by by radical feminists. I my account has been has been nixed. It wasn't by a trans rights activist. It was by radical feminists who mass reported me because I disagreed with uh, abortion. So we, we've we done everything we can to try to reach across the aisles to try to extend, uh, you know, if you look at Matt Walsh, Matt Walsh has been relentlessly attacked by um, radical feminists. So, so, you know, we do need men to come out there and stand in the gap to be with us when we're trying to activate. And let me just please tell you. There have been women to get beat up. I've got a broken finger because of it. Several other women have broken, have had broken uh, fingers, uh, 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 sprained ankles. There have been some of the women have been arrested. There have been women spit on. We're we're having to field all of that. And we begged, begged for men, and I can please, t- and I can also tell you that men do not need permission from women, and they do not need the go ahead from women to stand up for society. You think Bill bro, chris went out there and said, "Hey, y'all, y'all think I should do this?" No, he went out there and did it his goddamn self because he's a grown ass man. You don't. We don't need. You know, we don't need every. We don't need uh, this person or that person to do this or that. We need everybody to do everything in every single direction in all shapes and sizes because our entire our entire society has been captured
5: to eric's point i do want to point out on the progressive side of things there's actually an amazing organization called gays against groomers i think they were actually at turning points recent event in arizona called america fest so there are groups even on the the left side of things that like you eric are coming out in support and in defense of our children and gays against, against Groomers against is song.
22: conservative, honey. They're
5: conservative. It, but, but what I mean, like, his, his ideas is like, well, him and Carolina going back on the, the gay marriage and homosexualities and, and, and stuff like that. My point is that there are groups of gays or former gays, like the Changed Organization, which is former LGBTQ, that are now no longer living that lifestyle. But there are groups that would be considered conservative or not conservative, more conservative progressive or left leaning that are coming out in the defense of our children so i gotta jump off here i've been on here for a little while but i just want to give eric a quick shout out too for taking the opportunity to step on a stage with people like project veritas i mean seriously hats off to you i grew up in massachusetts i have a ton of friends that are hardcore democrats and i love them all the same um so i just want to give you a little hat tip for being willing to put yourself out there and join the space
21: and to add to that, Heather, we are our brother's keepers. And, Eric, I'm not going anywhere. I love to be here and talk to you anytime. You know, we're not going to run away from the, the, the situation, from the battle. This is about our children. This is about their future. And I'm sure we have a common ground on that. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I'd like to um, give the floor uh, to Billboard Chris. But one thing I will say on, uh, you know, Eric, I, I, I loved what you were saying about this the idea of this, uh, you know, irreversible reproductive changes. And, you know, I want to point everybody, you know, there's a, a Project Veritas space. And some of you guys might have seen this. Um, we actually released a story back in October of uh, 2022 uh, on WPATH, which is uh, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. And we actually had a doctor um, uh, on, an, on a video that was internal that was leaked to us Talking about reproductive regret and, and, you know, the idea that a lot of these minds of these minors are, are too undeveloped uh, to actually be making these kinds of decisions. So for anybody that hasn't seen that, I encourage you to go to our website, look up uh, WPATH, gender affirming doctor, you know, expressing the concern for the mental health capacity um, and informed consent of these minors for these transition surgeries. So uh, I'll open the floor to, uh, to Bill Recurs. I know you've been trying to get in for a little while.
25: Thank you. I'm very heartened to hear all these people talking about this issue affecting children, because for two years and four four months now, I have been standing out on the street having more than 10,000 conversations with people all across North America about this issue, doing the only thing I could do to create awareness about it. And no one was talking about this two years ago, and now everyone, especially on the conservative side, is talking about it. So that's great. Now I'm in a little bit of a grumpy mood because a medical professional who dared to associate with me, lost her job today, simply for associating with me. This is the third medical professional who has been either seriously investigated or lost their job for simply talking to me. And so I wanted to speak to that point about people marching down the streets. It's just not possible for a lot of people to do this because our world is totally insane. But But of course, I'm completely in agreement that we should be doing these things. I do... Want to say something about Moms for Liberty? Eric was talking about the need for moms to get involved. Well, they are involved. We have 110,000 moms in Moms for Liberty doing all the groundwork, flipping school boards, going to school board meetings, taking on so much crap in their personal life because they're just regular moms, just like I'm a regular dad, and they're pushing back against this behemoth. And you know what? They need to get support. These Their tweets should be getting retweeted. They should be getting followed. They should be getting the love from these elite names who speak out about these issues, yet have never heard heard who they are. Because the grassroots movement is already there. They just need to get a little bit of love. And I'm a little embarrassed that not everyone knows about them because they're doing tremendous work. And if everyone does not know about Moms for Liberty, they need to pay attention because this group, groups like Parents Defending Education other groups that are forming like the mom army are doing phenomenal work already. So let's, let's not talk, talk about how there's not enough moms doing stuff. They're already there. We just need to support them. Thank you. That's my rant.
2: Thank you. Thank you for that billboard. Um, yeah. I also wanted to get in the conversation here, Mary Rook. I know she's a reporter with daily caller. I believe she's been following the uh, project Veritas stories um, and engaged in there. So Mary, um, you know, talk about, what do you found? If you, uh, you know, what are you working on in terms of uh, education stories or anything uh, Project Veritas related?
9: Yeah, so
11: um, I actually got to talk a couple times today to um, someone with Teaching Lab, and um, I just thought it was really interesting the way that they framed some of the wording. When I got back to them, I would ask them questions like, um, "You know, <coughs> emailing them down on like, do you sell curriculum nationwide or do you sell it within Georgia?" And they'd write things back like, we're not currently partnering with any schools in Georgia, or we're not currently doing that, insinuating that, you know, obviously, we're not going to say we weren't doing it in the past, but as of today or this minute, we're not. So it's clear that they're on, you know, kind of on their heels. The first message they sent back to you was pretty similar to what I mean. think everyone else got nationwide. And then the second one, they, you know, admitted to getting money from the Bezos um, ex-wife Kinsey Scott and um, that kind of doubling down. And then also in the second one, they refused to talk about Bostick. So
2: Interesting. There, there was so, nothing
11: else said about him and his employment. So, so the first time
2: you heard from them uh, was today or was it last night? Yeah.
11: No, no. It was this morning.
2: Okay. This morning. And then they followed up. So the first time you talked to them this morning, they were willing to discuss Bostick. And then the second follow-up they avoided the conversation on Bostic. Yeah, Is that there correct. Was no
11: mention of him. Yeah, yeah.
2: That you know, yeah, so, and that yeah, break yeah. goes back to a point that I was making earlier in this um, in this space, where you know, I you know their first statement here was uh, of a statement that appears that he were, they were trying to distance themselves from Bostic, and um, you know, now that the second video came came out, where he's clearly criticizing Teaching Lab itself, and and with your information that he she they were avoiding him even more. I, you know, I can't, I can't possibly know what's going be on behind the scenes, but you know, what I guess I could take your thoughts or anyone else on this panel. What right. do you I uh, can't
11: insinuate that that's right. obviously what's happening because I right. sent my request before, but it, my other request knowing what was going to be sent out was obviously a little bit more detailed and
2: yeah. they were
11: not interested in talking about Bostic.
2: We shall see how that uh, turns out and uh, within teaching lab and Bostic's relationship with them. For sure. Well, I
0: I wanted to. For those that are listening, um, you know, for the first time, and they weren't here last night. One of the first things that the teaching lab did to distance himself from Bostick was remove him from the staff roster on on the website. Um, And they actually went further; they actually removed the entire staff roster. Um, So it really, it really makes you wonder what is it they are trying to hide? Are they trying to hide the names of these other educators that that they're affiliated with? Um, Are they just trying to protect Bostick in that moment? Um, But I still believe uh, as of right now, the teaching lab does not publicly advocate or show a uh, staff roster that that's completely gone.
11: Yeah. And I think the whole point is to make it harder for people that do grassroots politics, to be able to get a hold of them. You know, if you are not in politics at all, it's hard to get contact information with anyone within higher up nonprofit organizations or inside DC. And so if you can take down an entire roster, then people can't even search names or LinkedIn or do anything like that. So it's obviously protective measures to make sure that their company doesn't come after, like no one comes after them even more. The problem is, though, as we've spoken, you know, pretty much throughout this entire space is that moms have been activated. And it, there's no longer a place to hide when you have parents coming in defense of their children. And um, especially when it comes to education. I mean, when you during 2020, when people were sending, you know, screenshots of what they were finding out that their kids were learning, it was a, you know, entire group messages of parents going How did we miss this? How is it that we have spent this entire time with our children and gone on family vacations and we talked to them every day, and yet we had no idea our children were carrying down white guilt for random reasons? It's like insanity. So I think that, um, you know, when you're taking down entire rosters, it speaks to the growing power of parents and knowing that there is going to be a storm coming behind all of these like kind of outrages, it's not stopping. Like there used to be people like us who would see these things happen. There'd be this big thing in the news and then nothing would happen for another year. But now it's like week after week after week, we're taking ground. It's no longer being pushed back. It's may not be you know, yardage yet, but we're taking inches every single time we put a play down. So I think it's great.
0: Absolutely. So I'm going to uh, add in a few of these uh, other people I've seen, you know, quite a few of you are, are requesting. Uh, we've had a few speakers drop off. I'm going to add, uh, you know, a couple more. in. If, if you don't make it into the space, uh, I think we're going to continue it on for, you know, another 15, 20 minutes or so. Um, so we'll try to get a couple new voices in here. And, uh, you know, if you don't uh, get in and get a chance to speak tonight, um, you know, definitely come back. We, we intend on hosting more of these spaces, um, you know, as we continue to go throughout this year, you know, we're working on a lot of different, uh, investigations. You know, each space will probably focus, um, you know, we want to continue, you know, getting people updates on, on all of these relevant stories. But, um, that being said, you know, as we continue to go, you know, feel free, you can always chime in. Um, can I really quick chime stories. in,
26: Eric? <laughs> I just wanted to chime in and remind people that even when the space ends, because it's recorded, they can go back and listen to it. So by retweeting it or sharing the space yourselves, it gives other people the opportunity to go back and hear the recording and listen in later. So it's really helpful to do that. And also, I invited Ian in. I'm not sure if he's able to speak. I I saw him down here as a listener, but... Um in case he requests maybe pull him pull him up here if you can. I invited a few people in, so um I'm not sure if they're able to join though. And thank you guys so much for the work you're doing and just the continued effort. It's amazing stuff. And just to be able to, you know, reach across the aisle and have Eric in here and and all of that, I think Twitter spaces are so underrated uh for what they're capable of. And I, I'm happy to see Project Veritas hosting your own spaces. It's amazing
0: absolutely thank you so much for that um so uh like i said i'll, I'll let some of these new speakers I, I see everybody raising their hands i guess we'll start with uh with p-dog uh the floor is yours
8: hey y'all i'm my name is marty also known as p-dog not on the internet you can find out about me for my profile but um i just came in here actually to just shout out to gab's and billboard chris the people people who are out there actually doing this work on a regular basis um you know, I, I talk about this a lot and I have a YouTube show in the mornings, Monday through Friday, and I talk about this subject probably every, every third or fourth day. Um, and I, I want – what the only thing I came on here to do was to change a phrase because I get so tired of hearing the words gender-affirming care for children, okay? It's not gender-affirming care. I want you – anytime you hear that or anytime you use that phrase – I want you to change that phrase to gender affirming harm, which is something I just came up with. I was talking to my wife, and I was like, "It's not gender affirming; it's gender affirming harm." Um, because I'm sorry. Oh, someone. Okay, someone was talking there. Um, you know, because you know, we we know that uh, you know, the the, the puberty blocker thing and 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 the 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 cutting off body parts and shit. It's not helping kids. We're going to have this. I, I say this all the time. We're going to have this huge mental health crisis, especially in girls. Um, hearing stories about where, you know, half of a class of girls is, are, are, claiming to be bi or trans or, or, or lesbians in, in, you know, sixth, seventh grade because they see the rainbow flags and they see the indoctrination. When I, when I, when people talk about grooming, it's not, the, it's, while it is sexual grooming, it's also ideological grooming. And it, you know, just because people want to, Um, validate themselves by indoctrinating kids into this, but they don't realize that, you know, these things that they're encouraging kids to do is, is creating harm. I know this has not a whole lot to do with the drop from Project Veritas, but, um, which I'm going to probably talk about tomorrow on my show. But anyway, that, that's all I wanted to say. And, um, thank you for letting me, uh, put in my two cents.
0: Appreciate that. Um, we'll move on to, uh, to Melissa. Are, Are you there, Melissa? Uh,
27: can you hear me?
0: Yes, we got you. All right. Um,
27: Thank you, everyone. Um, I'm a parent of three kids, two that are, one is in seventh grade, um, and the other one is in third grade. And right now, in the state of Iowa, we are trying to pass a bill to give us um, universal, a a choice to send our kids anywhere we want to go to school so we can get out of the um, public system because right now I'm very involved um, in many of the school board meetings I speak at most of them I have been kicked out of many because I you know stand up for what many people um, feel and say things that nobody else wants to say and I get shut down and I feel like my voice falls on deafening ears so I'm very excited for the state of Iowa to move forward with the option for parents to finally have control over where they can send their kids. Because right now, um, I feel like my son, especially in seventh grade, is being indoctrinated with so many things that, for example, he learned this past year how to, in health class, how to make crack cocaine and inject it in his arm. They give an example. They told him exactly how to make crack cocaine in class. I've never. I don't even know how to make crack cocaine. He came home and explained it to me, and said, and then they told us how to inject it and in, people inject it in their arm, mom. And I was in shock. I was like, what? And that's when I finally learned that okay, my son is not getting an education. Um, he's being indoctrinated. And I, I just, where do we draw the line? Because I have some parents who say, kids need to learn about these things because they're exposed to it nowadays and they need to know everything. But my child is only 12 years old and is still ha- is developing, you know? He hasn't even gone through puberty yet. I mean, Anybody?
26: I think normalizing yeah. those things is very detrimental, to be honest. So I think you did the right thing. Personally, go ahead, Eric. Yeah. my bad. No, I, I
0: would, I, I would say, uh, you know, if if there's schools teaching uh, your child how to make and you know use crack cocaine, I would say send that to Project Veritas at veritastipsatprotonmail dot com. Uh, we would we would absolutely be all over that. So. Uh, that's our, that is our tip line, you know, for everybody out there um, that doesn't know if, if you've got anything for us, you know, we're, we're actively, um, you know, on our tip line 24 uh, seven Veritas tips at protonmail.com or on signal uh, 914-653-3110. Um, you can reach out anytime. You can send us, uh, you know, direct messages on our social media channels. Um, we're always looking for inside information, you know, tips, leads, uh, especially in these schools. So, um, you know, anything like that comes up, definitely send it our way. Uh, We'll go now to, to Chris. All
28: right, thank you, Eric. First, I want to say I appreciate everything that you guys at Project Veritas do. You guys are patriots. You're doing a fantastic job bringing, you know, truth to light in this country. Everyone, we need to support groups like Moms for Liberty. While, you know, a lot of us are pushing for the federal government and the state governments to do their job, And stop the grooming of our children in our schools. We need to support groups at Moms for Liberty that are pushing to help elect people who stand for our parental rights and will put the end to the grooming of our children. And another thing you can push for folks, like we're doing here in West Virginia, and I was a proud co author of, is we have legislation in our state legislatures in session now that is going to ban these so-called therapies and transgender surgeries on anyone under the age of 18. We have to protect these children. We have to restore parental rights. And you don't have to wait for the federal government to do it, folks. That's the beauty of it. You can get involved. Run for your school boards. You know, run for state legislature. Step up. Get involved. That's how we're going to put an end to this. We can't wait on, you in know, a, in a faraway capital to take care of this us. we got to start at the grassroots, get involved, and get this done.
0: Thanks. Thanks for that, Chris. Uh, let's see. Is it uh, Kino Reviews? Uh you got the floor.
25: Yes, thank you very much, Eric.
0: Uh, uh, thank you very much for sharing information regarding the tip line. If you actually checked a
7: thread uh, for the chat right now, I posted a link to Karlyn Bosenko's uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter th- thread of autistic such education webinar that was behind
25: a paywall. Her community leaked that to social media. I encourage you and Project Ver- Veritas to take a look at that and share that. Share. I am not shilling for Carlin. I am bringing uh, awareness to the fact that the uh, that the transgender community is now targeting the most at risk youth which happens to be autistic children in, in special education classes in the u s public in the u s public school systems
0: So, thank you yeah, I know uh, dr. bercinko I will uh I'll definitely check that out. I had not seen that yet. So. Well it's available in uh, the thread it, sure it's to it's
7: available into uh,
0: thread of this particular channel right now as we speak. Got it. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. All right. Well we'll go to is it uh Teodora. Um the floor is yours. <laughs>
19: Yes. Hi. Thank you. My name is Theodore Tufayan. I'm from New York, from Long Island. And I started about two years ago to attend as many Board of Education meetings as I possibly can. And then I uh, narrowed down my interest and started attending the committees that fit my interest and what particularly I'm trying to, quote unquote, fix. And um, I found... Like minded souls. Um, I used peaceful protesting a lot. Um, uh, Basically, you know, um, I had signs and in the beginning I was completely alone. And then other parents just gravitated to me and then um, we started forming groups and we had uh, very big rallies here on Long Island the past years under uh, the banner My Child, My Choice. And now, as of yesterday, I am a contributor with the North Shore Leader. You might have heard of the North Shore Leader because it recently, um, came out uh, nationally as the first paper, local paper that exposed George Santos, basically back in September of last year. But now, um, not only do I attend my Board of Education meetings as a parent and a taxpayer, but I also am now a contributor to a local paper and oh boy my board of education just loves this and i'm now basically um reviewing open meetings law and making sure that there's not only comment but there's also a q and a and everything's on the record and as of this morning um i participate i am participating in an audit um i'm trying to figure out how exactly my public school district obtained funds from New York State Department of uh, Health during COVID and how exactly they use them in order to implement all the COVID-19, COVID-19 mitigation measures in the schools, including masking. We have a bill for the vaccine, the plexi enclosures, the six-foot circles, the eating in your classroom and never having recess, and all of that that we had here in the past two years. So I'm basically go- creating this audit. And I'm going to be writing about it in The North Shore Leader. So um, that's as a taxpayer, you don't have to be a parent to go to all of your meetings. You could just be a taxpayer. So try and encourage. There should always be one of us at every single meeting. And they should know it. Um, and uh, two years ago, they refused to talk to me. I refused to wear a mask. Um, I had my red signs, uh, unmasked the kids, this is child abuse, and, and <laughs> they would call the cops on me, and the cops would smile because I wasn't breaking any laws. Hello. But anyway, um, I had security trailing me in 2021 at every single board of education meeting I attended, even with my three kids. Yes, I had two security guards accompanying me everywhere. I don't know why I was so special. And today... Uh, you know, I'm treated with respect. Suddenly they want to talk to me and suddenly they're very polite. And I feel like in the beginning I was really rough around the edges and now I'm, you know, I'm someone that they have to figure out how to deal with because I'm not going away. So those were my two cents. Thank you.
0: Thank you for that. You know, I think for for those of us that have been, uh, you know, in the space the entire time, there's a recurring theme uh, that, that keeps coming up and it's, and it's, you know, attending these, these school board meetings. And I just, you know, I know that we've seen as a result of our work, um, you know, specifically last year out in Sacramento, California, you know, this, this large uprising of of parents getting to the school boards in response to a story of ours. And, um, it's, it's an encouraging thing to see and and definitely, um, a well-taken point for everybody in the chat. I hope that, you know, that is, that is how you can make the impact. Um, I think that we've got one more uh, person that, that's that, that's gonna speak here. Um, I see Shapeshifter um, in the chat, uh, uh, the floor is yours. And then after this, I think we'll wrap up um, here shortly.
24: Everyone, thank you for letting me speak. I'm the transitioner, um, biological male, had my quote unquote, sex reassignment surgery when I was 24. And I 100% regret it. At the time I saw it, I was 100% convinced I was a woman and everybody was affirming me. Therapist never tackled my childhood trauma, never um, just ignored all my comorbidities and cleared me for the surgeries that ruined my life. So I 100% regret it. So I'm, I'm not sure how the hell people seeing kids can know what they want, you know. I pretty much destroyed my body. Um uh, in the pursuit of something that's impossible, my mental health is worse than ever. <laughs> my body dysmorphia, which I confuse for gender dysphoria is worse than ever before. So please protect your kids from an ethical surgeons. Protect your kids from thinking that they need something is wrong with their body. Um, don't let them become cash cow for the big pharma because I have to pay for hormones till the rest of my life. That's all. Thank you.
0: No, thank you for that. Um, you know, I think that that that's um, you know an incredibly powerful thing to to hear you say. And you know, I know I mentioned it before, but to point people back to uh, our WPATH story that came out last year, um, you're hearing this firsthand from from doctors. I mean, they're saying that this reproductive regret is is very real and it's becoming more and more prominent. So right, the mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. So, you no, know, thank you so much for, for jumping on the space. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of just wrap it up here for everybody to, to join. I'll let Mario kind of break down uh, for everybody, you know, just kind of where we're at with this story of the teaching lab and what we can expect for tomorrow.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Eric. And uh, thank you all for speaking tonight. It was very, very, I learned a lot from everything I've heard from all of you. So thank you all who spoke and thank you all for, who listened for about what three hours now in this space. So as Eric said, we will be releasing a new video tomorrow uh, where James has a sit down with this individual, Dr. Quinton Bosick from teaching lab. Um, a lot of the questions tonight were around, you know, how do you talk to people that, that think this way and indoctrinate children this way and, and t- think so differently from us? Well, tomorrow is a good opportunity for you to see exactly how that, how that went. Uh, James obviously is a very talented, uh, intelligent man, and he was able to con- uh, convey very intelligent questions and points over and really, really get into Dr. Quentin Bostic's mind as to why he thinks the way he does and why he does what he does. So we have that. And also, I would like to encourage all the listeners on now to continue to share the videos on social media, continue to get, um, drive the attention to what we've exposed, as well as... Um, looking here to get you know more comments or reactions, be it from the Georgia state government, be it from you know Teaching Lab itself, uh, you know it, it's uh, I I can't say that stress this enough. Um, the power of the people to really you know take the journalism that we do and go out and demand you know what you think is necessary out of the story on uh, your own volition is is is, is truly crucial. Uh, here, you know, we, Project Veritas can't do what we do without, um, the supporters and the, and the viewers that we have. So again, thank you all for this. Uh, please also consider as we are a nonprofit organization to donate to us. Our website is projectveritas.com slash donate. Uh, we depend on you guys to, uh, do, uh, to continue the work that we do. Uh, we'll never stop. Um, to us, nothing is more important than journalism. That's why, We put, uh, journalism first and any other thing that we, you know, that, that's out there that, you know, all these organizations depend on come second to that. So, um, again, consider, consider sharing our videos, consider donating to us at projectveritas.com slash donate. And we will have more for you on Quinton Bostic tomorrow. And you can bet we'll have a lot more stories for you in 2023, especially around education. Thank you guys again and have a very good night. Bye bye.
16: Thanks,
0: Thanks, everyone. (laughs)